welcome to another episode of the Comfort Monk Podcast. Today we are going to do a little bit of a retrospective on the compilation record we put out about, I guess, about a month ago. Um, Mm -hmm. It's called Comfort Monk Gratitude Volume 1. Eddie and I brought in 15 different artists to do covers of guests from the show. Um, And, you know, it was a pretty spontaneous project overall and we really only gave everybody about what maybe a week and a half two weeks yeah a little less than two weeks and in, an insanely short amount of time for a deadline and everybody came through uh and really just blew our expectations out of the water um yeah i mean so we decided we wanted to put this episode together to kind of talk a little bit about how that project came to be and uh, talk to a few of the people who submitted tracks so that we could hear about what inspired them to do that song and a bit about the recording process. Um, but yeah, so me and, and a lot of those people we had talked to individually, but for this project, or for this episode rather, Eddie and I both talked to all the guests. Um, but yeah, how'd you feel like it was touching base with everybody, Eddie? It was good to hear, uh, you know, we heard so many good things from people who had listened to the compilation and really enjoyed it, Uh, and it was really cool to hear that a lot of the people that contributed to the compilation had a good time doing it. I think it was kind of a, uh, like a bright spot in otherwise, you know, kind of dark times that we're living in. Um, Everybody seemed really excited about all the guests who were available to cover, uh, they all seemed excited to have this kind of, you know, quick turnaround, like, we're just gathering the troops and getting this thing done uh, kind of atmosphere. Um, and it turned out really awesome. And the thing I just kept thinking as people's tracks were coming in was I was so happy with how much, like, time and effort and love people put into these tracks um, and I think it really says a lot about the people who contributed tracks and a lot about the past Comfort Monk guests that we've had, that their music is so inspiring to people. Um, totally. You know, there were, there were even a couple of uh, artists that did covers of bands that they didn't previously know. Um, yeah. I think Jerome wasn't super familiar with Wussy, and now not only does Jerome, a.k.a. Pet, uh really enjoy their music, but I think the two of them connected online afterwards uh, with Wussy reaching out to tell them they enjoyed the track, and you know, it's just, it's cool to, to be able to play a small part in bringing these people together. Yeah, uh, we brought in Ray Barbie to talk about his cover of Doses Taking Away the Fire, and uh, his cover also features Chuck Treese, legendary musician and skateboarder who will be on the show in the future. And Rachel Ann Rainwater, who is a new voice for us, she was an incredible vocalist, though we were thrilled with what she did with the track, and uh, we've been able to connect with her a little bit since the uh, compilation came out as well, and she just seems like a really great artist to be kind of in this comfort monk sphere. Um, But we also brought in our good friend Brett Nash, who is, uh, you know, he has a track on the compilation. It's a medley of, of Minutemen covers uh, that he put out under his secret guest moniker. Um, and we spoke to Marshall Brown, who you may have heard 
speak with Eric Slick on one of our earliest episodes, um, and he actually did an Eric Slick cover of the song Evergreen on on the compilation, and we also spoke to our good friend Peter Alvanas of Elf Power. He did a cover of the replacements Can't Hardly Wait, which is, if you are at all a placements fan, you're gonna you're gonna know that that's that's kind of a standout track for sure. Um, but yeah, it was great talking to everybody, kind of hearing what headspace they were in when they were recording these, and um, you know, we could ramble on and on about how excited we are about how this compilation came together. But really, we just uh, we hope that you guys take the time to listen to it, and and hopefully the record speaks for itself. And uh, but. For uh, despite that, we're gonna we're gonna speak for it a little bit with our friends here on this episode and and give you a, a little bit of background story to it. But uh, Eddie, what do you think, Eddie? Should we just jump into it? Yeah. All right, guys. Well, this is gonna be our chat with a few of the guests and contributors to the compilation. Thank you so much. You can find the compilation on Bandcamp at comfortmonk.bandcamp.com or on Spotify. And we just put together a playlist. Uh, based on all the originals of the songs that we covered for the compilation as well that you can find. We'll post a link to that as well. But thanks so much, guys. about the recording process and all but uh I know you got kind of have a pretty deep history as far as listening to Dose is concerned but I was wondering if you wanted to chat with us about that a little bit man Yeah um Yeah it's funny you say deep history cuz you know me growing up skateboarding um in the you know in the 80s I'd say probably Man, um, trying to think, maybe 89, 90-ish, you know, um, there were, um, there were a bunch of skateboard videos that came out, a lot of them on Santa Cruz. I mean, what I mean to say, a lot of the videos coming from Santa Cruz, um, uh, had a lot of, um, SST bands in them, in the, in the videos. And there was a relationship that Santa Cruz, somebody at Santa Cruz Skateboards had a relationship with Greg Ginn from at, over at SST. And so there was always a lot of SST bands in the Santa Cruz videos. And um, I got turned on to a lot of those bands through those videos. A, a, lot, a, a lot of us did. And so, um, you know, bands like Dinosaur Jr., Sonic Youth, Black Flag, um, Bad Brains, Firehose, Minutemen. And, and so um, I got turned on to Mike Watt through Firehose um, because of Brave Captain being in, in one of my favorite skateboarders video parts in this video called Speed Freaks. Um, whose, whose part was it? 
Nautis Coppice. Oh, nice. That's and awesome. uh, and they use Brave Captain. Oh, yeah, yeah. Such a good one, man. Did you hear and, um, when, when Jack Black was on Watt from Pedro's show and was talking about that record? Dude, shut up. Why interview Jack Black? <laughs> it was a while back, man, but he was on there and, and Jack Black was like, yeah, uh, I guess that's that's Raging Full On is the name of that record. And he was like, yeah, man, that's one of those records. You put the needle down anywhere and it's golden. It doesn't matter what spot on the yeah, record. You're gonna be dude. Impressed. But yeah, dude, I could see how that could... If that was linked to a skate part that you were already, you know, admiring, it's going to inspire yeah. you a bit, you know? Yeah, totally, man. And so, um, so yeah, and then, you know, and then you find out that, wow, actually, why and George Hurley, because I used to live in San, you know, I grew up in San Jose, and then um, in 89, we moved to, southern california so now being in southern california i'm in the backyard of not only the um the industry of skateboarding not only like all these pros that i grew up admiring but now i'm in i'm in the backyard of where sst and a lot of those bands um live you know pedro la um and so I had a, uh, you know, I had a chance to see Firehose play a lot around, you know, the, the, as they would call it, the beach cities, if you will, you know, um, Hermosa, you kind know, of the same uh, spots, what frequents to this date, man. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, there was one club in Long Beach called Bogarts where they, you know, it was, it was in the rotation, right, for a lot of bands. And um, and so, yeah, man. And so I remember um, I remember uh, at one show, it might have been in L.A., it might have been like Palladium or something, um, one of the venues out in L.A., and I was riding for Lance Mountain's uh, skate company called The Firm at the time, and we had just, uh, we were working on a video, and I wanted, I wanted Firehose. I wanted to use a Firehose song for my part. And and that was the first time I met Mike. And this is probably 90, probably around there, about 90, 91, maybe. Um, and I remember going up to him because uh, um, Flying the Flannel was out. And so um, whatever year that was. And I wanted to use, um, I wanted to use uh, Down With The Bass. But I remember going up to Mike. You know how Mike is? He's just... <laughs> such a sweetheart man such a uh such a kind dude and i remember you know and and packaged in a especially during that time you know the big big grizzly adam beard and you know um and anyways i guess what i'm trying to say is like a little bit of intimidation of like oh man i want to ask him if i could use this song you know and uh and I remember uh, going up to him and just introducing myself. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm a skateboarder. And, and you know, skateboard company, the skateboard, we're doing a video. And, um, and you know, I love you guys' music. I want to see if I can use one of your songs for, um, for my video part. And Mike was so rad. He was just like, he was like, man, you skateboard. He's like, I try to, I try to play my bass like you guys skateboard. <laughs> and, like, right, right there, I was just like, oh, man. And, um... And Mike was like, 
hey, you know, use something off of SST because they won't care. He's like, because, um, you know, uh, what was it? Ray, uh, Flying the Flannel, that album was on Sony or Columbia Sony or whatever. And uh, he was just like, ah, you know, it kind of gets gets tough working with those guys, you know. Um, but anyways, that was the first time, first time I met Mike. Um, and, uh, and again, you know, living in Southern California and, and them playing so much, then I would hear about Dose, hear about this band Dose, two basses, him and, him and, and his ex-wife Kira from Black Flag and, and, um, and then, yeah, I would start to go see them play and, man became quickly became a big fan of dose um and so anyways yeah man when 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 you uh invited me to be a part of this compilation and i saw kira was interviewed and 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 i saw you know and when i think of kira i think of dose i was like man i want to i want to do a dose song um and so that's kind of how that kind of came about you know well i'm glad you you picked the dose song man and I, I think that the sort of reimagining that you and chuck and rachel put together is pretty rad man i mean i knew almost immediately after you sent it that i was like i i'm fairly certain already that i want this to be the opening track on the record just because it oh wow just uh even before that little line comes in the boom it's just like the textural swells that are happening on the synth it just takes you someplace and i was like i kind of like that immediately you're kind of like pulled into an, another space and i feel like it kind of especially since it's a longer compilation 15 tracks the idea is like you, you want to bring people in and kind of take them someplace and hope that they stick around you know yeah yeah well man super honored that you want to even put it um put it first and yeah i know what you mean like that's the it's funny because the the reason why you want to put it first or or one of the reasons like what you're saying of just how you've got that kind of synth part that's kind of saying you know trying trying to be alluring or inviting in some way you know mm -hmm. um yeah it's um that was the, that was that's how i wanted that to function within the song itself nice. well job well <laughs> like, done man okay. it translates exactly like that um yeah man i i'd love to to hear a little bit about uh rachel ann rainwater and chuck Treese's involvement too uh if you don't mind. I know you and I talked about it the other day, but when you and I yeah. were just shooting the shit about it, I was like, man, I wish I had the mics on right now. This is this is a great little <laughs> talk we're having. <laughs> um, well, I always, I mean, like, like, like I was mentioning to you before when we were talking about it, like, I've always appreciated covers where, um, where they're, they're reimagined or that they're not, super literal um to the original um and i've always loved how you know like like i was saying how like devo approached you know a lot of their covers i mean secret agent man satisfaction is incredible yeah satisfaction probably being like 
the most reimagined. Because <laughs> yeah, outside a good of the lyrics, yeah, because outside of the lyrics, you're kind of like, that's the only thing that's kind of <laughs> bringing you back to the identity of the song. <laughs> yeah, I guess they obviously they nod to the main riff, you know, the bam, bam, da, 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 but even that is yeah, so I guess Yeah, I guess it's been, it's guess it's been a little while. <laughs> yeah. But even the parts yeah. that are the same riffs, it's like, you know, Devo can make a riff that you've heard a million times sound like something you've never heard, you know? Um, which, yeah, you're probably, you're probably right. I can't, maybe I'm forgetting, because I'm just thinking about, like, the melody that they choose for the verses are such their own recreated. <laughs> oh, for sure. And, the, I mean, it starts with just the crazy drum beat that... So it's like, it's not... It doesn't make you think I'm about to hear satisfaction. Yeah. But then I, yeah, I think yeah. even when they do that, that classic riff, they're they're chopping that up, making it super Devo. It's not... Yeah, it it's kind of got like a drumbo kind of feel to it. Yeah, for sure. Dude, yeah, you, you gotta yeah. Think, imagine if you were around when they first played that on SNL, which is a lot of people's like first yeah. introduction to Devo. I forget what year that is, but it's early enough that it had to blow a few people's minds, you know? Oh, for sure. For sure, man. And then I even, you know, I even dig, like, uh, yeah, Cowboy Junkie, Sweet Jane. Oh, I haven't um, heard that, but I do love Sweet Jane. Yeah, it's really, you know, it's just, you, you, I, I love, I love covers when you really get a sense of the person's um, fingerprint, um, doing it. I think that's, I think that's, what's really cool about covers is the, you're, you're paying homage, um, but you're doing it, you're doing it in a way that, um, becomes more of like a collaborative kind of thing, you know, like, um, I guess you're trying to express it how you would express it which is i mean and even if i mean the, the reality is is even if you are being literal innately there's gonna be your fingerprint on it you know what i mean but i guess i'm just saying like i always get excited about when people are deliberately trying to express it in a way that i guess maybe uh you're kind of honoring the 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 the, the 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 spirit of it or, or the intent of it or um rather than the the so anyways when, when i was thinking about doing um dose i knew right off the bat that i'm not going to try to do two bases <laughs> right yeah. and and um and because again i always feel like man like they they like you're not gonna do it, you're not gonna do it. What can you add to it? I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like I feel like what what you can add to a cover is you, not try to just do them. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, um, so I was thinking like, man, how could once I found out I got on like YouTube, once I knew I was like, man, it'd be be fun to do a dose song. I love those. Love Mike and Kira. And um, when I was on YouTube, just 
Woody and Joe's just the kind of because it's so much more convenient than going and trying to find the CDs and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and um, Take Away the Fire was one of the first ones. And then right away, I was like, oh, yeah, I love that song. I love when they used to play that song live. That song and Angel Girl is the Devil's Daughter is another cut that um, I always dug. And then they Kira does a great version of Don't Explain by Billie Holiday. So anyways, the... Um, that's kind of, that's her bag, right? She's all about... Billy Holiday is, is kind of what yeah, I Yeah, there's a yeah, there's or a maybe, big I don't know if it's that she I don't know if she has expressed that somewhere or if people are just like making the comparison and speaking you know, well, speaking out of turn a little bit, but I can hear it. There's definitely like something in the sparseness of it that feels familiar, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think I think so. Um you know, definitely you could hear the influence for sure. Um, and it's interesting because even in working out the arrangement for the song and me and Rachel Ann talking about how, you know, what would be a, a interesting way to um, approach it vocally, you know, and and Rachel Ann pointed out that she, you know, she could see, um, she saw parallels in in Kira's approach because it's like this kind of, ascending descending melody you know and rachel ann was saying how you know that that's that's something you hear a lot in um in billy holiday's approach kind of this ascending descending kind of thing you know at first i was like man maybe i just try to do it instrumental and then and then the more i started thinking about it i was just like man i think it really needs vocals I think the the lyrics kind of need to be in the mix also, and um, and so yeah. So I thought of I thought of uh, I was thinking like, man, who could really, you know, function well in this kind of a, uh, I you know, song and and I started to want to because there's a with a lot of the Joe stuff and the way that that Kira sings and and yeah, and a lot of that. You know, because I feel like Billy Holiday kind of has it, also. But there's kind of this—I um, uh, don't want to say haunting, but it kind of has this this aspect to it that, um, yeah, that I kind of wanted to explore. I don't, I don't of, think haunting is far off, man. I mean, it, or, there's something tonally that is. And, and both Kira and, I mean, Rachel's take on it was really interesting. But it's kind of got this subdued quality to it. But, like, the coolness and that delivery is, like, it just kind of takes the the song to a different place, like, on an emotional level, kind of. It just makes it where it feels personal in some sort of way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and... and, and... I felt like um, I felt like Rachel Ann could function great in there because she already kind of she kind of she sits in that that similar kind of place also. If anything, even um, you know, taking it kind of more in in that direction with yeah. um, with uh, the band that. She has with her husband and Tony Alva, actually. 
Oh, um, what's that, that band called? I've been wanting to dig into her music more. Yeah, it's called. They're, they're called His Eyes Have Fangs. That's memorable. We should be able to keep that yeah. in our brains. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, so then um, I'm so thankful that Rachel, um, she really stays productive and I mean, she's super, super talented. I and mean, she's a, um, she's a fashion designer. So she designs clothing for fashion brands, you know? Um, and, uh, so that's like her main, her main gig, you know, but she's always, you know, recording and working on either songs for the band or her own ideas and things. So thankfully, um, I knew that she would be, she would be set up to do something like this, you know? Um, yeah. Do you, do you know her professionally? Did y'all work together before or is she a friend of yours? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, so uh, me, her, our, we're, we're all family friends. We all met each other in church. And this is like years back. And we just always been friends. And because of the culture and community of skateboarding and music, like her husband, Matt's a ripping drummer. So we've done stuff together. Um, and Matt plays, a lot of times we'll, we'll fill in for, um, for TSOL, playing drums for that band, TSOL. Um, yeah. And so actually Vans asked me and Tony to play, you know, Vans shoes. They asked us to play, um, for their, they always do these big kind of, I call them pep rallies, but they do these big, um, kind of, um, internal kind of sales meetings and things like that with a lot of their various accounts and things, you know, um, and so they'll, a lot of times they'll always, they'll be grinding during the day with all these like presentations and stuff, but they always try to do something fun for everybody for dinner. And this, um, and so this one year they, um, they held a dinner party on a boat, um, out in a Newport beach. And they asked if me and Tony, me and Tony Alba would, would come and play music. And so, um, I reached out to Matt to see if he would jam with us. And um, it was through that, us jamming. And then, then they asked us to play some other events for them and things. And um, Matt and Tony just kept in touch. And then they formed a band and with Rachel Ann singing. And then at that time, our friend Volcho playing guitar. And But yeah, so knowing what, knowing where where Rachel Ann sits, I was just like, man, like, I feel like Rachel Ann could do a great job um, with this track. And she did. She didn't disappoint. <laughs> are, you, are you a big uh, studio guy? Do you enjoy, uh, like, recording and stuff? Yeah, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I started... I started playing guitar when I got into skateboarding back in like 83. But, um, and a lot of my friends that I skated with, they played in punk bands. And so I, you know, um, that's how I learned to play guitar was hanging out with them while they had band practice before we go skate. And then eventually, um, I, I, I got in the band because I was just always hanging out and bugging them to teach me chords and things like that. 
but back then it was all power chords and it was playing punk you know um and then the more that i developed and progressed in skateboarding then playing guitar took a back seat until about high school and then high school i started to play again because there was friends my friends at the at my high school um knew that i tinkered around on guitar and was like hey come jam with us and that kind of got me back into playing again um and it was uh it was kind of during that time that i was playing more and playing in bands so i was in a band with some friends in huntington beach called Coldwater crane and and um we're playing playing around a bunch and they really wanted to hit it hard and and go uh hit the road and but um but i couldn't do that because i was skateboarding professionally and and uh traveling and doing that and so i got kicked out of the band but i still wanted to be playing music so i have a friend who um who gave me a four track and basically that's kind of where the recording thing started happening for me the appreciation for it the going down that road of learning it um my four track in my bedroom and um and then from there um yeah, just learning about all the kind of aspects to try to get a decent sound. Your mic pre's and you start learning about the gear, you know, compression and all of that stuff. And but I was big on tape, man. I had gotten a a half uh, half inch eight track uh, Tascam TSR eight and um, had that a little Tascam mixing board and use that for um you know the songs that i was doing on my four track my friend thomas campbell and a friend greg lampson they had a record label at the time called galaxia records and they had released the uh album from um for uh, my friend tommy guerrero is a pro skater and tommy had a uh album called loose grooves and bastard blues that was released on um galaxia records and so um, Tommy had asked me, I was skating for Tommy's clothing brand called 40s at the time, and he was doing a video, and he asked me to, he knew I'd been playing music, recording music on my four track. So he was like, man, send me over what you've been doing and for the video. And then um, when I sent it to him, he got back to me, and he was like, hey, I sent this over to Thomas and Greg over at Galaxia. Like, this is good stuff, man. And then Thomas reached out to me and he wanted to use a, a song or two for a surf movie he was working on called The Seedling. And then after The Seedling came out and there was a good response to the music and The Seedling, my music, then he was like, hey, let's do an EP. So we did an EP um, called Triumphant Procession. And that was off of, that was on um, Galaxia. And from the response to the EP, they were like, let's do a full length let's get you in the studio. And I was like, nah, I don't, I don't want to go in and work with some cat that I don't know. And I know the way that I work. It was like on my own time. And so I was like, give me the advance and I'll just upgrade my gear. And so, um, so, so yeah, that just is where the interest to record came from. It was kind of out of, out of, uh, birth out of the desire to just, still want to be uh, documenting ideas and recording ideas, even though I can't be in 
function in a band per se because of skateboarding you know yeah that's awesome man that's cool that they had enough trust in you to let you you know engineer and produce your own thing well, um, yeah i mean i don't know i don't know if they knew i don't know if they knew what they were getting themselves into i just think i just think they were just like ray doesn't want to go into the studio <laughs> 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 but thankfully our community you know my friend jj golden over at john golden mastery he masters all of uh all of my releases and and um, he did a great job of of um, of polishing up my kind of mediocre recordings, you know. Oh yeah, good master is always important. Yeah, crucial. Well, well, dude, I'd I'd love to hear a little bit about uh about how you and Chuck first started collaborating, and uh, I know that he recorded his part for this for this track over in Philly. Um, but yeah, just here, I mean. Chuck, that's a bit of a rabbit hole, I know, because y'all have a, a lot of history together, <laughs> but one of the first videos, I mean, back when I was first discovering your music, because, you know, I was tuned into you as a skater, as a kid, I'm, I was trying to think if I ever played as Ray Barbie on, like, Tony Hawk Pro Skater or something. <laughs> was that an option? I feel like that might have well, been. I was, yeah, I was in, um, I was in EA Sports version um, called uh, Skate. Okay, so, yeah, that's funny, um, man. So, Befriending somebody who you used to play as in a video game is a is a it's just a strange, <laughs> strange yeah. thing, but a pretty cool I can, thing. I can I imagine. Once Rachel Ann signed on and was into it, then I started thinking about, well, man, there's such a charm to the two bases, the way that the bases function rhythmically. And and they're not being drums, right? Like that sense of rhythm coming from the syncopation and and the and the rhythms from the, you know the bass lines. And um, so I, I started wrestling with um, man. I think it should kind of honor that. You know what I mean? Like maybe not have drums on it. And the more that I started building it, the ideas. Um, and the arrangement, and I started thinking, like, you know what, maybe drums could function in this. Um, and so I called up Chuck, who lives in Philly, and him and his son were getting ready to go skate FDR, which is the um, DIY um, skate park built under the bridge. Right. Um, That's his, like, stomping grounds, right, man? Yeah, so they were... They were they were having their kind of first kind of event during the quarantine, so he was like, "We'll see how long it lasts," you know. Um, but anyways, I was telling him about the project, and and um, he was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get into the I'm gonna I'm supposed to get into the studio on Monday." So um, yeah, send me over send me over the track, and then I'll put some drums to it. And so um, yeah, sent it over to Chuck. Chuck got it back to me the day before. I was gonna take it over to um, to my buddy Carlos um, uh, De La Garza, out who's an engineer, my buddy, and we go way back. And actually, um, Carlos um, he used to play drums for a band called Real Big Fish and a band called band called Suburban Rhythm, um, which is a Long Beach Long Beach band. Um, 
rest in peace, Ike Owens, because our friend Ike Owens oh, played man. in uh, Suburban Rhythms with uh, with uh, with Carlos. Ike um, was incredible, man. That's yeah, that was a loss for I, sure. Yeah, Ike was the best. And so, um, so anyways, yeah, Carlos is Carlos is my my dude, man. He's helped me out so many times. It's just um, yeah, help. I'll I'll start things at home. Like like this, like where I'll just I'll start recording the ideas and get everything tracked, um, most of the things tracked here, and then take it over to Carlos and he's got a beautiful studio, um, home studio, which is converted garage um, out in Eagle Rock, and um, yeah, we'll do remiking and he's actually endorsed by Universal Audio, so he's set up with so many of their um, plugins and. There are various things to help run the DSP for those plugins and stuff. Um, and um, so anyways, yeah, Chuck got me back. The uh, performance gave me like two takes, <laughs> two passes. And, um, and yeah, so that's what, once I got over with Carlos, then we just started. I, I heard it for the first time as we were uploading all the files into the session over at, um, at Carlos' studio. And then we just started kind of getting an idea of how it could function um, within what I'd already done um, and with what um, uh, what I was doing with Rachel's um, vocals that she sent me. And, yeah, and I'm just so thankful for... So thankful for Chuck and so thankful for the... Um, yeah, man, the friendship over all these years and me and Chuck go way back because my first video part um, or first video that I was ever in um, Pal Peralta's public domain, there's a section called the rubber boys and um, it's myself and uh, Chet Thomas and Eric Sanderson and Steve size. All four of us are skating in this section. It's a black and white. It was filmed with the, I think Super 16, Black and White by Stacy Peralta. Nice. And Stacy used Chuck's band called McRad. Nice. Yeah, this, this song called Weakness. Um, that's the song that's used um, uh, for that video part. And so me and Chuck have this connection through that from 89, no, 80, 88. <laughs> um, and uh, Chuck, Chuck, man, he's just such a gifted musician i mean he's he's one of those cats that can play you don't you know he's equally as gifted on guitar as he is his main instrument drums and he's equally as gifted on bass so you know um <laughs> he can get a lot done just himself and so he he gotten signed um around that time like 89 he gotten signed to caroline records um, and he had, he did a solo album and he's pretty much playing everything on that album. Um, and I'll never forget, uh, Stacy was, um, doing his music video for one of the singles and he brought, he brought myself and, and, uh, Guy Mariano and Rudy Johnson and, and Paulo Diaz, um, and, and I think Gabriel, Gabriel Rodriguez. We all met up um, and skated for the video and stuff. So, 
And then I always knew that Chuck and Tommy Guerrero had a friendship and jam together. And so, um, you know, you fast forward about, I don't know, 20 years. Uh, no, maybe about 10 years, I should say. Not 20 years, 10 years. So about 2000, um, I heard that Tommy was playing out with Chuck. Um, They're just doing like a duo thing with Tommy looping and Chuck playing drums, you know. And um, I had an opportunity. One of my sponsors at the time, they were doing a big thing out in New York. And um, we, they also, one of my friends that was a part of that project with me, he had lined up a gig at a skate shop in Philly. And I had reached out to Chuck because me and Chuck, we were like, man, we got to jam together at some point. And so that was our first opportunity to jam together. I think that was like 2001, maybe. I forget when, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, for this for the skate shop, we did a set together where I was I was doing loops and he was playing drums. And then from there, just so many opportunities I would get to play. I'd always bring Chuck in. And then and we have a band together with Tommy Guerrero and Matt Rodriguez and our friend Josh Lippy called Black Top Project. Right. And we've got that a record, chance those to... Those records are great, man. Oh, uh, cool. So, yeah, so that's just kind of very, very grateful, man, to be a part of such a, such a talented group of musicians that I can genuinely call friends, you know? I love that we can function from friends first, then do the music, which is huge for me. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, it was exciting for us to find out Chuck and Rachel were going to be on the track because, you know, obviously we were we were stoked just to have, even if it was just you and it was instrumental, that would have been incredible, but getting a couple other really impressive, talented musicians on the track just makes it a little bit, you know, just a little more special. Um, but yeah, man, we can't, we can't thank you enough for, for being a part of the project and we love the track, and uh, you know I'm excited for it to come out on Friday and, and for the world to hear it, man. Yeah, dude. <clears throat> Thanks so much for having me in mind, dude. And what a cool idea. And uh, you know, me, me and Rachel were talking about it. We're just like, man. I think like one of the coolest things about this project is that it's it's given uh, motivation to uh, in this time when we're all trying to be safe and quarantine to still be expressive and creative and 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 uh and for that i thank you man oh, dude well i'm, um, I'm glad you that you took that away from the project and it means a ton to me that that that's how you feel and that you know that's kind of what the goal was we were hoping people would get excited about the opportunity to you know like you said be expressive again despite you know, when you're stuck at home, you don't necessarily feel that expressive if you're not if you don't have a you know a project. So, uh, yeah, mutually but, beneficial, man. It w- it was a pleasure to to work with all these artists, and uh, we're, it really makes us happy to hear that people were just, you know, uh, glad to have a project. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think too. Like, I mean, I remember you saying that like all the submissions were pretty much in, and it seemed like it was like a week or two later, which yeah, I, I mean, I've been, I've been a part of a lot of projects and that's kind of unheard of. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, man, it was, I think it was like 12 or 13 days between 
brainstorming wow. and coming up with the idea and sending everything to get mastered. And we, yeah. you know, artwork was already done at that point. Like we were just mastering. It was. Yeah, we hit the ground running on that. Yeah, it didn't be. Yeah. It wouldn't have been the case if it wasn't for artists like yourself just being down to, you know, go for it. Nobody really drug their feet. Everybody was excited about it and went for it. Yeah, totally, totally. But we're right on you guys, dude. Big thanks again and. Dude, of course, Super. man. Well, I hope I hope you have a great day, and yeah, man, we'll talk to you soon. We'll send you whenever the press start, like if we can, whatever we can gather press wise, we'll forward it to you too. And yeah, man, awesome. hopefully we can collaborate in the future sometime. Yeah, for sure. All right, have a, have a good one. All right, see you, man. See you, Ray. Okay, take it easy. good meeting you, Eddie. All right, take you care. Too, man. Mr. Dickerson, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I got you. Remember Eddie, right? You met him at the at the what you call it the the beer day party thing. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, I think we met. He's mm-hmm. uh, he's sitting in with me on this. We normally we kind of end up talking one on one with people, but since this is like an episode sure. all about the compilation, we thought it would be kind of cool if we both were chatting. Of course, of course. We just got off the phone with old Ray Barbie. He's doing nice. well. Beautiful, beautiful. Had great things to say about. I guess he and Watt kind of go, go pretty far back, and he. That that I, I assume just because they're like covering each other, like they must like know each other well or something. <laughs> well, yeah. we kind of like Watt signed on to do the Barbie track, and then when we reached out to, because you know Ray had been on the show already, but we hadn't hit him up about the compilation. But I'm sure it wasn't a, as it was a pretty easy sell when somebody he likes that much is already playing one of his songs you know? totally because he, totally. he picked ray barbie immediately like why nice why wanted to do that um that's awesome but yeah yeah i'm i'm stoked that he went with a dose track it's like a, yeah yeah like, that, was, ooh, that was it sounded nice that was a good good choice good choice oh, yeah, yeah man i mean in general we're kind of just chatting with people to get like a you know a feel for yeah. song choice and what recording sure. it was like and all that um i mean i know that obviously a big part of you landing on the minutemen was picking from the from the crew of people who've been on the show but was there anything in particular that kind of motivated you to go that direction um i guess like kind of a mixture of things but first off like you i think you specifically said uh you could kill a minutemen song oh, yeah, yeah. Like, all right i might That's, have been that heavy-handed with my with my uh um no but that was a good call i was like kind of like i feel like i was like gravitating between that or elf power the monks oh yeah which, yeah, yeah. Which well, i don't i guess i won't reveal awesome. too much about the monks thing if we anyway uh, um, go for it yeah we <laughs> there's no secrets. yeah we gotta do that this is this is us uh on the record saying yeah, we gotta yeah, yeah. We collaborate talking, on that next time yeah we're gonna make a the comfort monk house band and yes and do a, a monk's song or something that would be rad i was yeah. i was i do wish that we had pulled it off for for this comp but oh yeah what uh did you just not able to get the the guys together yeah just uh couldn't quite pan out with everybody um i mean yeah, it's, it's yeah. a little tricky with everybody being at home and sure yeah recording that's... stuff but i mean i, I was lucky also... marshall hooked it up for me and recorded 90 yeah. percent of the blanca 
track, Rad. so it made it easy. Yeah, that kind of, I guess that kind of leads to part of uh, the Minutemen choice was like, uh, I have a four track and I don't really own a computer, so <laughs> I kind of was dude. like, I was just talking if, to Ray about that. Yeah, if I did more than four tracks, then it would involve doing uh, mixing that I don't think I have the technology for, but with just the four track, I could just like mix everything on the four track right. and then um upload it and just send it straight to y'all because uh was it jay matheson did the um yeah dude i, I think the master man it sounds yeah i was like great. worried i was like oh shit this is gonna sound so dinky compared to everything nah. but that now it uh it all sounded like one big smooth smooth ride right there and it's such an eclectic like set of songs and styles yeah. of recording and performing that Kind of makes it easier to tie it together because it's like a little bit schizophrenic by nature, you know exactly. what I mean? So like it exactly, but it's it, not like it felt. It felt right though. Yeah, yeah. Time, I think know? a big. We spent a lot of time playing around with the order. Um, yeah, I was wondering how you kind of came together with that order. Well, you know, I guess there were certain things that I didn't want side by side, like uh, I guess. Part of me didn't want any two tracks next to each other to be too, too close in style. Sure. Yeah, Maybe yeah, like definitely. stepping stones to that sound, but never, like, if there was any that, like, for instance, I feel like the Blanca track and the track that our friend Jerome does are maybe mm-hmm. in the same wheelhouse musically, kind of like that yeah, chimey, yeah, power poppy kind of thing. So we right. want those two next to each other or like... Or two songs that are too different from each other. Like, yeah. Yeah. the songs yeah. that me and Dylan did... Dylan did a rock and roll cover of a replacement song. I did a yeah. remake of a house song. So right. it would be a little bit odd to be like right, right, back right. But so yeah, kind uh, of that that middle ground somewhere yeah. between the two, not too similar, not too different, and then just yeah. Well, you pulled pulled the sequencing together beautifully. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh-huh. it's the the goal is to keep people there for all fifteen tracks. But uh, I think our thought in putting your song. Uh, my thought was like, I don't know if anyone else thinks about records this way, but the second to last song almost feels just as important to the, as the last song to me. Like, wow. uh, in the I'm, sense I mean, of I'm like, going to pretend you did. I, I, part of me thinks you just made that up just to uh, make me feel good. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll, it was super I'll deliberate for me to put your song second to last because I was like, well, first off, it maybe it felt like a little long for the last song. Like you kind of want the last right. song to be a little bit more of a like quick yeah. statement. But I also feel like if you have your second, if your second to last song is like a total banger, then your last song almost feels like an encore. You know what I mean? Like Ooh, if you had, yeah, if you yeah, had closed totally out agree. with History Lesson Part Two, it would have been. It would. It made a lot of sense to end with History Lesson Part Two. But I was like, no, let's. It's almost like yeah, exactly. Ooh, yeah. Like that. There's what you could have ended on, but here's one more little taste. That's that's know? the that's the main set ender, and then you have the encore after that. Yeah. Yep. And exactly. The, it's a weird encore where you don't even play it. A different artist comes out and plays. Yeah. Exactly. Ah, the beauty of a compilation. Yep. And also, I think put the Pixies do that. They. Oh, uh, we don't have to put this in the thing, <laughs> but uh, Pixies. To me, every album has like the same kind of basic track listing. Like, yeah, if you I, listen yeah, to I, all the first songs on Pixies records, they're all sort of like a reworking of the same idea. Almost exactly, every yeah. Pixie album ends with 
a song that's basically an instrumental with maybe like two lines of vocals in it, but it's right. It's typically yeah. like three minutes of or two minutes of instrumental and then like a repeat of a section with vocals. And yeah, yeah. Either two, second from last or third from last, they always have a song that sounds like it could be the soundtrack to like a spaghetti western. Exactly. Was it like a that, silver my, or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Silver is a good example of that. Yeah. Um, but almost all their albums have that sort of thing in it. Silver is just like the most blatant Western. Yeah. Well, and uh, like as a, a side thought, another reason, I mean, not that we have to get this hung up on the track list, but another <laughs> reason for us, in my mind, of putting the Minutemen medley on the back half was that the front half is kind of watt heavy to begin with because it has the dose track and the, true yeah and my thought was kind of like yeah. maybe more or less like watt as like the bookends and yeah, the like exactly. spine of, yeah there of, you go there uh, you go so you know he you know the first track is obviously watt oriented and then watt's contribution is kind of almost right and smack dab in the middle and then yeah the medley is on the on the back end, which is funny because obviously the Minutemen is a little more specific to Watt than, well, I, I mean, because, you know, right, Watt right. is doing a Ray Barbie song, and then the Dose song is, uh, I mean, if you look at the songwriting credits, like, Kira is credited for that, so Watt, right. it's like, I mean, obviously Watt's huge to the Dose sound too, but uh, right. I would say, like, the songs, the Minutemen songs feel slightly more like Watt songs. Totally. Yeah, Out like I, for a second I was just gonna go solely Watt songs, but like the original history lesson is a D Boon track, but then like, but it felt I like yeah for some reason I was like I want to do both history lessons with something in the middle, and then because yeah the middle like, one's great big lounge scene like the drums, I mean I know I texted thanks. you about it a bunch I probably sound <laughs> like I'm gushing dude but I mean it like the drums oh, I'll were take killing it. it I'll take it all day Dylan you're doing the, like the Minutemen are that band right you listen to it and every single instrument makes you wish you were playing that instrument yeah exactly and you got to do it exactly you played I know yeah literally that's like got kind to of the that. best way to do it I'm glad you were the only one who played on it because every time I listen to the Minutemen I'm jealous of all the players <laughs> at once like God I would love to have written that guitar part right, or that drum right? part. Or that yeah, bass part. Exactly. But and we were playing blown away those, at how recording convincing you were, dude. There were a couple moments where hey. I was like, this straight up, like, not that it's obviously a, a, a really cool take on it, but there were mm-hmm. a few things that I think would have been hard to fake, like uh, the D Boone qualities of it. And oh, yeah. There were a lot of times I was like, dude, the spirit of D Boone is so there. Like, there there's a couple vocal Hell lines yeah. you do where I'm like, that could have fucking band d boone it was so spot on it Dang, was awesome that means a lot yeah i was like kind of like i realized as i was recording i was like you can't just really replicate d boone's vocals no. i was just like i'm just gonna try and just yeah if anything uh get the get the spirit of d boone in me and do, do my best of my own version of that i guess well there's there's uh something about you know the part that's First with stone, something on something power, mm-hmm. and he like yeah. holds it out. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, that's it. That is the D Boone. <laughs> it's all right because right I'm there. pretty sure I'm pretty sure D Boone just like on the recording anyway, just like cuts it off pretty quick. But yeah, I just like I was like, oh shit. But also, I was like, I felt bad. Was like it was almost like a bass solo on the original right there. I just like powered over it. But I was like, ah, oh, but this feels right. This Dude, feels right. Well, and one thing that I was really excited to see how you were gonna because it's kind of classic. 
Brett to like really do the seamless transition well, especially with covers that you guys have done. Oh, yeah. So I was like, how is he going to get back down tempo-wise the history lesson part two? And right when my brain was thinking how, I was like, oh, there it is. He did it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't even think – yeah, at first I was like – I was thinking, I was like, do I like just – I almost feel like maybe it wasn't even seamless. Just like when I transitioned, I was just like, you know what? Not, not even a transition, just like end of the last song, beginning of the next song. Because I think they all like – both of the first – let me – I'm trying to think. Of, yeah. Both of the first two almost like the way those songs end sound like you're – they end like right before the downbeat kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just made sense. I was like, oh, well, that downbeat right after it is going to be the next song. <laughs> yeah, that helps for sure. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, yeah, I kind of forgot that I that you and I had that I had suggested the Minutemen. That's funny that I'm here That's, wondering. How you did knew you, what how you were talking you about. <laughs> <laughs> you knew. It, well, I mean, that, well, but then again, like I even said, I was kind of between for a second Minutemen and Elf Power, which Andre's Elf Power covers great oh, which dude, i actually I love it we talked about it i didn't even I, neither of us actually realized it was a robin hitchcock song dude we uh funny story that, that's the second time on this compilation where the wrong artist was credited to begin with because <laughs> when uh and i don't know i might might not put this in the episode just to because i don't it could potentially <laughs> make watt feel strange but when watt first reached out about doing a Ray Barbie song, he was like, we want to do this song, and he sent me a link, and it wasn't too, it was a song that had a different artist name, and I was like, well, maybe Ray has, like, put out some work under a different name, and I just don't know about it, uh-huh. and when we were talking to Ray, you know, we were like, hey, like, we'd love to have you record something too, Watt's gonna do this song, and he called me, he was like, <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of that song, man. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to, like, break, we were like, well, Watts chill. He won't care if we have to so tell wait, him it's not it a Ray like... Barbie song. But then, so we told Ray, I mean, we told Watt, you know, hey, like, Ray's going to do a track. Um, but he wanted to point out that that's actually, that song you were thinking of covering is not a Ray Barbie song. But <laughs> it kind of reminds us of his first EP. Um, so nice. maybe, maybe that's where, like, the wires got crossed. And oh yeah, I was wondering. I was like, I wonder how that confusion happened. Even well, happened. It yeah. does. I listened to it. It, it does, does sound, sound like pretty Ray Barbie esque. Nice. Not, we were thinking maybe it's because you got to think he's playing like two hours or three hours of music multiple times a month on his radio show, the Watt from Pedro show. Oh yeah. So he yeah, has to have point. some sort of like organization for that, like some sort of file system or whatever right, on his computer. Right. And something must have just gotten dropped in the wrong file for just sounding <laughs> kinda like it. That's my theory. Sure. I could totally see that. But I could but see the funny thing about Watt is like sometimes he'll like his mind just goes a mile a minute but in like a inspiring way because it's like it's like a creative mile a minute. It's like uh Oh totally. It's like operating at like, that speed but with good reason or with yeah. good intention. But so we were you know we were we hit him up to say, Hey, like, you know, that that's not actually a ray track, but this record kind of made us think of that and then he didn't even skip a beat, he just said, Yeah, okay, we'll do this song instead. That's a Ray Barbie <laughs> song, right? He didn't already yeah. record it, did he? No, no. It was in the same day. <laughs> we act we acted fast, thankfully. But nice, then when smart. uh so then the exact same way Andre hits us with, the, with his cover of Surgery. Right. And I sent it to Peter Alvanos and was like, hey, I thought you might 
basically, <laughs> along the way while we were waiting for tracks, my thought was like, let me send people tracks that are going to get them excited because mm. then they're just right. going to like, you know, it'll A, remind them about the project and B, just probably light the fire a little bit, you know. Um, but uh, I sent it to him and he was like, oh yeah, that's a Robin Hitchcock song. I was like, yeah, yeah. what a weird <laughs> problem to have twice <laughs> But that's that's less disconnect though. Yes, yeah. right. Because they actually did a version of it. for Robin Hitchcock and yeah. Elf Power plays uh, that song. The funny thing is that when I heard that song the first time, I love Robin Hitchcock, um, but I did, I just like and I don't really know Elf Power at all. Um, I've I've since listened to several of their albums, but I didn't know them before they were on the show. Um, right, and uh, that song. First of all, my initial impression was I was like, I love this cover. This is my favorite song that anybody has uh, submitted so far. Right. And it felt so familiar to me, but I... I it's like, why do I know this? Yeah, yeah I, I assumed it was in like an indie movie or something. And then right. I heard that it was a Robin Hitchcock song, and I was like, oh, I've probably seen him play it live or something before in the <laughs> past. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I almost, I actually debated for a second, but then I eventually I was just like, well, if, if Mike Wise gets, maybe I should do some Watts songs. Like they do that, um, uh, that like whole maybe last four songs of Double Nickels on the Dime or like all covers. I was always gonna like do their version of Steely Dan's Doctor Doctor Will. Oh, dude. oh, their version dude, is the definitive version. Of their that song. version of that almost really makes me feel like, uh, which I guess it would have been not that. It would probably been around the same time that Flaming Lips were getting together, but something about their version of Doctor Who really makes me think of Flaming Lips. Like it yeah, just, I could do well, that. I, that sort of deadpan. Yeah. Vo- vocal, but like, then yeah, there's like also the, like a real like high, like nasally one on top. Yeah, it, it feel, yeah, the nasally voice sounds like Wayne, and then the like deadpan voice sounds just like the psychedelic weird vibe that Flaming Lips exactly. might add to something too. Exactly. I always wondered if there was because Flaming Lips are hitting in the eighties too, right? I think so. I think, I think they started around, in yeah. the eighties. They probably started late eighties. So they yeah. they probably came Soft after Bulletin that. Soft Bulletin was ninety nine. That four part oh, wow. album Soft Bulletin was ninety seven. I did not realize Soft Bulletin was that late. Yeah. I thought me neither. Yeah. I, wow. I think Yoshimi was. I was twelve when Yoshimi came out, so that was two thousand two. Dude, the yeah. fact that you remember being 12 when Yoshimi came out is impressive. Because <laughs> I, I had that record, but I don't think I had it in 2002 or whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I think I got into like Flaming Lips like later on for sure. I mean, it, So I had a, a German teacher who I, also I dated his daughter for a long time. But nice. uh, <laughs> this isn't going to the episode. But, uh, oh, no, this is how he, the episode's starting. He was just like a real... Uh, I still keep in contact with him. He's a genius and really cool and funny. Uh, but he would give us really weird assignments to learn German. And one of them was, and it was a really small class because nobody takes German. So every person in the class had to translate a song from Yoshimi uh, from wow. English to German. Uh, That's which pretty was awesome. pretty <laughs> weird and funny. I I would love to I would love to hear that also just like covers of that but all the German versions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of concepts that don't translate very well <laughs> to um, literal German. Brett, I, I guess you and I first met Watt 
on the same day, right? Cause yeah, Royal we, American. Yeah, that gig that was yeah. Il Sogno de Marinaio, which is like this mm-hmm. group that's Watt and a couple of Italian musicians. Um, and then it was Elam Bolt, which yep. you were playing bass for. Bass and then Dio Blanca yep. played. Dude, that was, yep. that was such an amazing night for me, man. That was a great That time. was, yeah. So that was the first. But you'd, you'd talked to him before, just never actually met him, right? Uh, dude barely i mean we so we booked that show because i just i hit up i've never been more transparent with a booker in my life than i was in that moment (laughs) i just was like john who's john kenny obviously you know him but for people listening john kenny runs this uh this venue in charleston called the royal american one of the like i would say almost certainly the most thoughtful Considered oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. promoter and booking person For I've sure. ever dealt with. Uh, yeah. He's definitely in the running, at least. But I just right. hit him up. I was like, dude, I know you might want like a Charleston band. <laughs> But <laughs> half the people think that we're a Charleston band anyway for some reason. But Yeah, that, that is totally the case. But I was sure. like, full transparency, do not care at all if there's no budget for another band. I will play this show for free any totally, day of the yeah. week. Like I, this was before I had met Watt, and I was just like, "Man, nice. Watt and Minutemen and and Stooges have been so important to me that I would be over the moon to be on the bill." Yeah, um, exactly. So then I'm, we talked. We did end up talking to Watt before then, but only because we used that show as like the genesis for this zine we were doing at the time called Caravan. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so yeah, we, yeah. We we. we in classic form, like, fake it till you make it, we were like, yeah, we've got this zine we want to interview you for. Of course, there was no zine. This was going to be the first <laughs> interview that ever happened for it. It's like, all right, well, we got to start a zine now. Um, but, yeah, we basically started the zine because we thought we could chat with Mike Watt for the zine. Um, and then, so, but I didn't talk to him. I had I had Cam talk to him because at that point, I'm only now, now I'm feeling like I know kind of what I'm doing, talking to people for this. Right. Uh, but you're such it's a also, good talker, though. That's the funny thing. But it's different in this context, right? Because sure, the, the sure. talking is the 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 agenda, right? Right. Talking right. and giving myself something to write about that I have no uh, experience in. Yeah. So I was when you're like trying to get like a goal out of talking. I yeah, got you. Um. Uh. Or just I don't know. I guess I just haven't done any like written journalism so i journalism, just was intimi- yeah. intimidated by it so i got cam <laughs> to talk to him um so i i didn't talk to him until the show so we talked to him but listen you know we met him me and you met him at the same time um, right yeah but yeah it's funny man the podcast started real similar too because we booked a show with tommy stints and other replacement placements in town and i was like that's right yeah. Shit, let's talk to him for this podcast <laughs> this got. podcast that we have now that yeah. definitely exists and, and and here we are but yeah, yeah i mean you know a <laughs> um, couple months later we're like 23 episodes into it so we, yeah we have Another a podcast now that's for damn sure the first that's couple right. episodes when i was contacting people to be on the show when we had like recorded a few and released maybe one i was literally listing people that we had recorded interviews with and was like 
these are future episodes. <laughs> like, just to lend some kind of credence. Well, we, sure. le- uh, we left out with the Tommy stuff, because he, uh, he was doing one of those tours where they don't want to play, like, regular clubs. They just want right. to play, like, DIY spots. And I was, like, dead fucking set on bringing him to Columbia. <laughs> like, I was like, this has got to happen. Like, nice. Um, so I reached out to his booking agent, and, of course, like, which, you know, small world, same shop that you met Eddie at, the Bike Collective. Yeah, Was exactly. down to host again. and uh, Awesome. Dude, that ended up being so cool. It was like, for it to be, I mean, it's an acoustic set, just Tommy with a guitar, uh, drunkest crowd I'd seen in probably oh, really? years, dude. <laughs> it was wild. It was, it was like, 50, you know, they, had, they put a cap at 40 or 50 people or something and i think by the end of the night we were at that cap but i'm talking everybody's sitting crisscross applesauce passing <laughs> wine bottles pre-pandemic shit so everybody's like not being right. germaphobic right. i was like it is remarkable i'm watching an acoustic set at the bike shop and people are way more wasted than they are at like new brooklyn or whatever yeah that's amazing yeah, yeah. The, the median age was probably 40 or 40 there was a couple dude there was a there was someone who i think may have been kicked out like uh he was like start like just kind of being rowdy but i don't know if he did i think that he was and that the people who run the bike collective might have like just kind of not wanted to sour the vibe so they told me he wasn't but i was like really looks like you just kicked that dude out uh And that's cool. Like I'm not upset about it. If he right, was, right. If, he, if he was, he might have needed to go home. He might have been a little yeah, too exactly. gone or whatever. He might have been doing him a favor. Yeah. But it was funny, man, because Tommy was trying to tell this like really nice story about his mom, like a real sweet story, and this guy's like drunk in the back of the you know bike shop. Oh, you know, no. obviously it's not small. It's way too small of a room to be, get oh, away yeah. with being the loud drunk guy. Um, that's yeah. That's why it's hard to imagine, like in a small place like that, just like a bunch of people being wasted. Dude, for an it was so set. funny, man. And I, uh, like, I was fairly sound of mind because I was trying to, like, you know, I, I was trying to not lose track of the fact that technically I'm putting this show together, so I have to like make sure it goes right. right. But right. it was cool, man. I, I love the bike collective, and if it wasn't for, you know, just mess, being too yeah. scary to to get people together to play a show i'd already be thinking about bringing you to town and doing another one um okay. i mean when the <laughs> dude assuming that some sort of normalcy oh, yeah. happens i would I love forgot, to I, I like totally forgot for a second i was like oh right that's not happening right now <laughs> dude, yeah. yeah i know it's crazy man we're, we're starting to get our like hard copies of the of the new blanca record and stuff and i'm like man we're gonna oh, have yeah, to get right. creative this year <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah, I know. Just because yeah, I, I haven't gotten super been out of shape missing shows yet, but I think Me come neither, the fall, yeah. I'm going to be missing that shit hard. Like, yeah. I'm starting, the reason I'm missing it right now is because it's, like, beautiful outside, and, like, I'm, I don't know, I, I like, the, the events, like, the one that you came up and did, the day party and stuff, like, those were so fun, and... Oh, yeah. Like, it wasn't even, like, the I'm playing a show part that's fun as much as the, like, just it's a beautiful day and everybody's yeah, hanging out. I know. Uh, so I, I miss that more than I miss, like, but I probably don't, I mean, I I miss playing music with my friends for that sure. Too. But, like, that too, yeah. I guess we got a taste of that with the compilation, which was cool. And 
That's and, true, yeah. And, and Ray, we were really excited. Ray was like, of course, he's like the sweetest dude ever. And he was like nice. talking to us about how it meant a lot to them to have a project to do right now. And Yeah, um, honestly, I mean, yeah, kind of same. I was like, you I know, mean, I like, like, I didn't realize how much personally I would take from that, but just being able to, like me, I don't like going that long without playing music without Cam and Alex and all that, man, it's weird. Right. Like, uh, but then having the opportunity to do it, I was like, oh, this is what it, this is where the magic is, you know, like I don't care about what we're doing with the songs or whether we're able to, I mean, it's great if we can do as much as possible and get on the road, but at the end of the day, the magic is like the, the experience of playing music with people you enjoy playing music yeah. with so couldn't agree more um which that being said you played with just yourself you know <laughs> i know i was about to say I, I keep turning the interview around but uh did you do the, all the dear blocka stuff yourself oh um, for that track uh we went to marshall's and i recorded the 12 string me and marshall recorded the acoustic stuff so i played the 12 string and marshall plays like a just a standard six string nice. acoustic and then I recorded a little piano thing, nice. and uh, I recorded the drums, which, dude, I hadn't, other than this one I was wondering if you mine, did those drums, yeah. yeah I, I haven't played drums. There's only one other time that I, there's recordings of me playing drums in the last, like, decade, so that was really <laughs> exciting for me. Um, but then we sent those tracks, I was telling Ray the same thing, but uh, both, both Marshall and Alex used Logic. So right. we just had Marshall send all of the stems instead of the project oh. to Alex. And I was like, if you're okay with it, I don't want to put all this on your plate, but I, I just knew Alex would be good at it. I was like, I would like it if you recorded all of the electric guitars. Like, yeah. I don't want to play electric on it at all. And then That's awesome. also I asked him if he could mix it. Um, Dang. Because this is the first, like I was saying to Ray earlier too, like uh, it was a nice change i've never done that where you recorded one place and instead of having the band and the producer mix it you find someone else to mix it which granted right, alex right. is in the band but he wasn't alex wasn't there for any of the stuff we did at marshall's so it was right he was still like i wanted him to be separate as far as a listening experience because then he has those fresh ears and he's not burnt out on listening to the same track all night and whatever so um exactly. But yeah, dude. As far as like personal recordings, I like the I am right with you. With all I have at the house is a four track. So, yeah. Like the yep. only recording I've done just by myself in any recent like window of time has been with that four track. And there's something yep. to be said about those things, man. I feel like the the like the constraints that you're given with only having four tracks and you exactly. don't have, you don't have any post really you can do to, I mean, there, there are yeah. little things you can do with those hardware recorders, but a lot of times they're right. like, they're like really exaggerated, not super classy exactly. versions of different right, effects. Right. Although you, how did you get, there's like that tape delay sort of like crazy thing that happens in, in the middle act of, of your medley. Was that? Oh, I literally just, I, yeah, I literally just put the the mic through pedals into the four track. That's, basically, that is awesome, dude. That's I was so like trying like, to think of because I think the yeah, basics. there's kind of like gang vocals on the original thing, and I was just like, oh, how do I do this? I was like, gonna get somebody to come, but I feel like when I was recording it, I was like right in the middle. I was like, oh, I feel weird getting somebody else to like because also if 
since it's only four tracks, if we did it, we'd have to do it like together. Like literally, I'd right, be having like an to actual, the and you wouldn't be able to and mix like, it separate from the other vocals. You'd have right, to do it on so, the same vocal track as the verses. You know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. So I was just like, uh, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll put some delay on at that part, and then here we are. Have you ever done the <laughs> the? Because most four tracks have the option of like bouncing. So mm-hmm, you could yeah. so you could mix all four of those and then bounce it onto one track. I still gotta figure out how to I've do that. I've never Actually, done I think it. My I've had the same yeah. four tracks since I was like, tr- like thirteen, and I've never even figured out how to do it on the thing. Now I've never tried to figure out how to do it, but right, if you did that, you would no longer have a four track. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's four times four, right? Right. In theory. Right. Um. Or but what I did a ton, like in high school, and do we're using the exact same mixer that I used to run to my four track to record this episode right now but nice like it still has a, a decaying like falling apart piece of masking tape that jb wrote <laughs> like what's it say on here crash symbol hi-hat like that's probably from a recording session <laughs> in like 2005 you know nice history um, history but anyways what i was getting at was i used to use this mixer and like we would be like we we don't have enough tracks on the hardware recorder to mic all of the drums so we would mic all the drums separate run them through the mixer and then mix it yeah oh yeah do a couple tracks to get a feel for everything then mix it all down and then bounce that to the full track or not bounce it but just do a line out or whatever yeah exactly i just had like i mean my drum miking wasn't a professional by any means it was just like three like SM58 like things of different parts and then like through a mixer and then running into one channel basically. Yeah. Um yeah, dude, I I hadn't it had been a minute since I had even heard History Lesson Part 1. I guess they just call it History Lesson, but I mean, it'd been a long time too. Yeah, I, I just dude, remember. I, I was like, so happy with the songs that you picked because obviously like History Lesson Part 2 is just like Classic, classic. Yeah, Minutemen came in, which is awesome. But it, it, I guess because of the like, because history lesson part two more or less is like a brief storytelling exercise and like the exactly. and the friendship of Mike and D Boone is basically kind of what's going on there. Yep. So that one yep. is always is always stu- You know, every if you're a Minutemen fan, you. That one's hard to I feel forget. Like, I feel like it's almost like other than if you're talking about like Corona, just because it was like the Jackass theme. It's kind of I feel like it almost it's like the go to song. It's up there, right? It's definitely like the mantra of Minutemen. Yeah, like yeah. It contains their a lot because it's, it's got the like our band could song. be your life lyric. Like, yeah, a lot of the philosophy of the band is exactly. captured in that. But the exactly. other tracks were like I was so glad that you went and did some like earlier Minutemen because. It's yeah, really I, I, easy to get stuck on double nickels because it's so good, right? But, right, I know, and I was at first, and I was like, "All right, well, before uh, before I get too crazy here, let's let's dive back into the other albums." And then, as know, soon man, as I did, I was I, like, "All oh, right, shit, they, there's so much other good stuff." There's so much material they, there, man. They, and they were not a band that long, but they put yeah. out so much music. Or, I mean, you know, obviously part of it is that there were short songs, so it was like. You know, every album's gonna have exponentially more songs because they they right. cram a bunch in there. But the arc of that band, like you know, of course, the earlier stuff is a little more, uh, I guess, on the punkish side. I mean, it's always right. got. I mean, punk is hard to define in, in musical terms. <laughs> yeah, of course. But like, 
I think that they creeped in a little bit more of that like jazzy, funky stuff right. over the years, and then by Double Nickels, they perfected that. Like Yeah, that was like um, the height of that, that stuff, yeah. But, dude, I love the records leading up to it. Like, What Makes a Man Start Fires is mm-hmm. awesome. I always forget about how much I love the punchline. That record is sick. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then even before that, you know, you've got uh, Politics of Time. You've got that, I think, Joy is that EP. and like Yep. I know I'm not. There's got to oh, uh, Buzzer Howell under the influence of heat, dude. I love that record. That oh, yeah. that one. I was when I first. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I guess uh, when when I went on to the Watt from Pedro show, I was like. We were just shooting the shit, talking about. I guess we must have just been talking about the minute then, but I I was talking <laughs> about how Cut from that record is one of my favorites. And uh, Watt was like, yeah, or I was like, you know, Cut is such a cool song, I love Buzzer Howl, that's one of my favorite records, and Watt was like, yeah, I'm partial for Double Nickels, and I was like, damn, I guess I tried to, I tried to do the weird flex, like, I like the other record, and he was like, nah, here's our masterpiece, I'm cool with uh, that. I think I did, like, I thought I'd rather, like, kind of, like, doing some background research just to really get into it, like, some, I feel like, I mean, I guess Watt could probably tell you firsthand but like i feel yeah i remember reading somewhere like watts like i think that's the most proud record i've ever been a part of is uh double nickels i mean it is like if you're talking about american music and like if you're making a a list of records that are just masterpieces like it's got to be on the list in my opinion oh yeah oh Uh, yeah i mean of course there's plenty of people who aren't aware but if you've heard it and you're at all a fan of like that world of music. It Oh yeah. It is a band that I mean, how the hell do you make a record that has that many songs with no filler? Even right, the I know. even the crazy song that's just George making like crazy whooping oh, yeah. sounds and and banging on the yep. drums, to me that does not that on any other record somebody might try to classify that as filler cuz it's like a little less musical than the others. It's like a because there's so many tracks, having this like kind of goofy, uh, to me it's like a weird nod to like Art Blakey or something. Like it's like totally, I can like, hear that. Yeah. Uh, unapologetically having fun with percussion. I think similarly to where like we picked, we placed the instrumental tracks on the compilation where they are as sort of a palate cleanser. Um, you know, like it might happen like the. Uh, like like Watts track his is that instrumental yeah track it happens right before Brian Hannon's track which is like a bit of a departure from where we're at musically because it's a it's there's no guitars it's like a way more electronic thing electronic yeah um to me I wish I'm blanking on the name of that song by uh the one that's the that's George's song but uh that crazy percussive song that's just like yeah i, I know exactly <laughs> um, what you're talking about if you're to me yeah. it's like you've been listening to this record for you know 45 minutes or however long like it's kind of like it's if, a yeah it's, it's a, like, like, like let yeah. your brain relax for a second you don't have to like exactly. absorb these uh compelling lyrical content anymore you can just kind of like take a breather right. and then you're like all yeah. right let's dig in we got one we it's got like a, a little more cleanser than, almost yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's like yeah helps you pace yourself you know exactly um, but that but double nickel is one of the best things about it is it's so many tracks what's it like 40 something tracks and then 
by the time mm-hmm. you get to the end, you're so far removed from the opening track that when it kicks exactly. back in, you're like, let's fucking go again, dude. We got Yeah, there this. you go. I'm ready again. It's one exactly. of the only records that I almost always, if I do listen to it top to bottom, at least start to listen to it again when it starts back, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is it, to me is like a feat in itself. You know, like uh, Double Nickels is always kind of talked about in conversation with... Uh, with Husker Du's Zen Arcade, because... Right. Husker that one was pretty long, too, right? Yeah, Remember? it's a double yeah. album, and it's they're both on uh, SST, and if you look at the liner notes of, of Double Nickels, there's, like, it says, take that, Husker's. Like, they yes, were like, if you guys right. can that's do right. a double record, we're going to do yep. a triple yep. record. Uh, which, well, I don't know, maybe... I want to maybe the maybe the Husker record was a triple too, but one way or another, the reason that it's such a long record is they were like, "Shit, we want to do that too." Um, <laughs> right. Hey man, I'm, we've been we've been chomping at the bit to get one of the Huskers on the show. That would be awesome. That'd be cool. It would yeah. fit the vibe of of a uh, you know obviously like me and Eddie both have a pretty strong appreciation for like that era of the punk world. Definitely. Yeah, Definitely. My, my two people right now that I. I'm just gonna every few months annoy our uh, Bob Mould from Who's Gonna Do and mm-hmm. Michael Stipe from REM. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Those Michael two, yeah. Stipe is so not a press guy that if we got him, it would be kind of insane. <laughs> and yeah, David there you go. Stringer that would be crazy. would have to talk to him. Oh, like, that's right. If yeah. we didn't get throw David Stringer that bone, we would be bad friends. That would be, yeah. Um, <laughs> That'd be harsh. Be harsh. Dude, we did, you know, we do the the cover sets for New Year's. Uh, we picked REM just so that we could ask David to play REM. Songs. That's right. That's right. Because most of us, that. like, other than the hits, that that was one of the first times that we did a cover set where like half the songs I didn't even know. Because like we usually sprinkle in, you know, like, you know, hits with yeah. with fan favorites. I was like, man, with REM outside of the hits, I didn't know any of it. And I was like, dude, these like non radio songs that are still yeah, great like, songs of are stuff. fucking yeah. awesome. Like Radio Free Europe is a you know, mm-hmm. obviously is it was like a college radio hit, but not like a mainstream hit. Stuff like that, man. REM I don't yeah. I never went through an REM phase and then when we learned all those songs I was like, Oh, they clearly like a lot of the same shit that I like because all oh, yeah. the like chimey guitars and stuff like they're yeah. they're obviously they, big star nerds like me. Definitely. Um, I feel like they maybe even well, I could be wrong. I was about to say maybe they did a big star cover once. Well, uh, I, so Mike Mills plays with Big Star's third, which is that project where they just actually no. There's a Big Star's third, and there's a songs of Big Star. They're like basically just like a hodgepodge yeah, group yeah. of people that play. It's the best cover set I've ever seen in my life, dude. We, me and Mark Dang. and Cam went up to Cat's Cradle in Chapel Hill to see them do Songs of Big Star. And they have Jody, the only surviving member of Big Star, on the drums. Right. And then Mike Mills and a couple guys from the DBs. And, that's right, that's um, right. Yeah. What's his name? Oh, the guy from Yola Tango. I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Ira Kaplan? Yes, he was involved. One of the guys from Wilco was involved. Dang. Um, But, dude, I was like, I know I'm not seeing Big Star, but it it feels way more like I'm seeing Big Star than it should. As far as, like, the joy in my heart. Like, there was no fooling me in thinking Alex Chilton was on stage. 
But right. as far as like being, I've always wanted to be in a room full of people who were singing these songs. And I, that dude, it was the biggest sing along I've ever experienced. Everybody sang every single word, and it was completely Dang. packed. And me and uh, at least some of my friends were uh, like a little bit into an edible experience at the time, too. <laughs> right. Like, I was far enough into the edibles where you're starting to feel, like, too warm. And you're like, maybe I'm... Yep. And then I was yep. like, wait a second. Start, stop <laughs> freaking out and just enjoy the music. <laughs> just enjoy this. Just enjoy, man. Um, but, yeah, it was awesome, man. Uh, oh, beautiful. Well, dude, I, I can't thank you enough for, for making the time to, like, make the recording. And, <laughs> I, I can't mean, thank dude, you enough for having me. You're, like you were saying, like, it was kind of another thing uh, for me to uh, get something to do, in a way. Well, for a second, any project that I do creatively, I want to find a reason to involve you in. Uh, Likewise, so, you know, <laughs> like with all the Blanca stuff we pulled you in for, or mm-hmm. whatever else. Like, it's funny, man. You and I have never been in a band together, but we just kind of like pretend like we're in each other's we, bands all yeah, the time. Yeah, I was about to say we played plenty of shows. Yeah, um, I was we thinking shared the, the stage the, at the same time. Yeah, the only time I played drums live in. Oh yeah, at I was least bring a that decade has been the time yep. that I sat in for Secret Guests, which was super fun because yeah. if you don't get to play drums very often, if your rhythm section is like a pairing with Cam, like that's really fun because <laughs> yeah. I get him as a bass player and I don't get to like lock in with him on that level. Yeah, uh, I didn't even think about that level. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is why I like jumped at the chance to play drums on the... It's almost like, yeah, you have a new perspective of playing with Cam now. Yeah, I was like, well, I did it with Brett that one time, but nobody recorded that, so let's let's put the mics on. And, and <laughs> but also, like, that song is straightforward on the on the, uh, drums, so I felt like I could handle it. That was a big part right. of it, you know? Um, yeah. If we were doing a Rush cover, I would have hired a <laughs> drummer. But next compilation. We'll... Next compilation. When you um, get um, shit, I was about to send you up here, but he died, didn't he? Alex Lifeson, yeah. Yeah, right. There you go. There um, you go. Well, dude, I, I guess we'll let you go. We're probably about to call Peter and chat with him, and then we're going to talk awesome. to Marshall a bit. But, dude, I, I again, I man, hi. thank you so much for being involved. Your your track is incredible, uh, and I, the, the project wouldn't have been the same without you, man. Damn. Honored. Endlessly honored. You're the best. Well, tell Kalen we said hey and enjoy your, your quiet time and quarantine, man. Likewise, and enjoy uh, all these interviews. Yeah, man. I'll talk to you later. Take all it right, easy, man. All right, talk to you later. See all ya. right, love y'all. Bye. Love you too, buddy. Marshall. Hey, Eddie. How's he, how are you guys doing? Doing good, man. It's been fun talking yeah. to everybody about the compilation and everything and yeah, hearing a bit I'm about excited it. excited about it coming out. Um, well, dude, I guess, I guess we can jump into it. Um, I mean, it's, you know, we're just kind of casually chatting with everybody, but sort of wanting to hear about their song choice and a bit about the recording process and, and whatnot. Um, I know that obviously we brought you in to chat with with Eric for the podcast, so it's it's pretty natural that um, that we found you know you found yourself wanting to do one of his songs. But 
Yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to pick your brain about it, hear what you, you had to say about, you know, if, if nothing else, you know, how you landed on that specific song, you know? Yeah. Um, well, we had originally talked, uh, you know, I was originally thinking about doing like a Dr. Dog cover. Um, and then just the more I thought about it, it was kind of funny because I had just seen on um, Eric Slick's um, Instagram on Strange America. He was talking about how, uh, um, I guess, someone online had um, <laughs> had put up like a chord chart for one of his songs off the Palisades album. Yeah. And he was like, man, now it's just going to be cool if like someone uses it to like, you know, post a cover. And I think someone like tagged him on Instagram in a cover. But I just started thinking, I was like, man, I'd really kind of rather do an Eric Slick song. And I um, went back and did a whole nother listen on Palisades and came up with Evergreen. Um, just because I really, um, I really like that one. And it's kind of a weirder song. Um, uh, and I honestly, when I came across it, I just kind of started to try and pick it apart and it took me a solid hour to really figure out what all was going on in that song. <laughs> yeah. Arrangement wise, it's, it's definitely kind of, it is. And it, and it actually helped me out. Listen, he, there's actually a deluxe edition of that album that's been released, um, that has some demos. And so the, um, the demo version of his was more of a piano arrangement and I kind of decided to go that way because I was thinking that I could, um, just strip it down a little more, more easily for the, um, the time constraint to get it done. And, um, really just kind of liked it that way anyways. And well, it's cool. Cause you, you know, the, the final product I would say is not that stripped down, man. It's, it's got like tons of, layering but not excessively it feels great it sounds super full and you know all the yeah. guitar stuff kind of i mean there's just a lot going on it, it sounds like something that was labored over in a positive way yeah you know? it, it well, sounds thanks, awesome man. and it sounds like marshall brown which is cool yeah you you could you could pass for an original as far as like it, it has your vibe to it 100 percent. yeah well i definitely tried to um the one thing i really like about that palisades record is um, it seems to have a lot of like uh, Mellotron mm -hmm. patches on it, and I've always just you know being like a big Beatles fan and stuff, I've always just loved uh, the Mellotron vibe. So that was kind of exciting to just be able to use that. Um, like I put the the strings and the flute sound that are on my cover version or the Mellotron which is a lot what is on that album and but I thought it was kind of fun to pay tribute to that kind of that Mellotronish sound totally and yeah it, you um, definitely hear it especially in like the and this I don't know if it wouldn't really call it an outro but where everything sort of crashes out and there's just sort of like the the textural stuff that's like lingering on, on your version yeah yeah you can for hear sure. it really push through there yeah that cool one kind of like holds out for a long time I like it because it's like, uh, you know, all that textural stuff at the end is very, like, uh, kind of heady and, and makes you feel some type of way. And then, like, Solid Gold by King Vulture kicks in right after, and it's, like, kind of a little more of, like, a ass kicker, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. A little change of pace. Um, but, yeah, man, everything about your cover really did it for me. I mean, there, it, you know, from a playing 
standpoint, like, there's just a... You could have done that in a way that would have required less effort, and you definitely, like, it. there was a clear, <laughs> clearly obvious amount of effort that was put into it that was really uh, well, something you. I appreciated about it, at least. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, um... I actually, the, the vocals, it was kind of funny because generally this wouldn't be the case, like the way I record, but like the, I had to come back across the, um, I did those vocal, um, the vocals just for the verses so many times. Um, I, th- I, th- I thought it was real interesting just because Eric Slick was talking about, you know, like it wasn't too, too long ago, you know, that he really felt comfortable singing and stuff he was he was acting like and he took like vocal lessons and all but man like the vocals there's there's nothing it's it's a strange vocal line it was hard for me to do just because it was one of those things like um you know generally when you're writing you naturally write something that you do easily um Maybe not necessarily easily, easily, but usually, generally, like when I'm writing, I'm going to write a melody line or something that comes natural for the way my voice is. Yeah, something in your wheelhouse, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's always been strange, like, because I have the um, tendency to hold on to, like, with my original songs, I'll, I might have a, an original song for a really long time before I get around to recording it. And it's always interesting, just if my voice is in different shape in the time that I'm actually going to record it and realize that, man, that's not as easy as it was it's not as easy for me to sing that as it was like when I first wrote it. <laughs> Some of <laughs> it, I mean, you're of, like, it's, it's up there too, you know, like you, I would imagine yeah, you had to push and, your vote, like, especially and, on the, I'd like to be. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for that's sure. Up there, you know? And that's, and that's what I'm getting at is like, it really like his vocals on that track are amazing. They're not, they're, they're weird. There's a spot where I don't want to get too technically musical oh, in this conversation. It, we are full but, on nerds but, here, man. But there is a like a section where, like in the like right, it's kind of hard to say whether that's pre-chorus or what you would categorize that as. But like right before it goes um, into that last chord that leads into the chorus, there's like a what I picked out is kind of like it's like a D six, but um, the notes that he's singing, it's starting on the sixth. Um, and then moves up and drops back down and just, just has a very, a, a very interesting melodic, uh, movement to the melody. So it was, it was definitely, it, it was a challenge for me because it was something that I didn't write. And it's one of those things that you hear him singing and he sings it so beautifully. I didn't realize how hard it was going to be until I actually was behind the microphone and, and trying to lay that out. And it, it actually did take me a good few times I'm recording over the, just especially the verse sections, um, Dude, before mean, before I was happy with it. <laughs> right. Well, the vocals translate great, and like, uh, it's definitely like something that stands out. Um, but one thing that that I guess because you know you and I, we were collaborating so much, and that you recorded the Blanca track, and and you mm-hmm. were we were both kind of sending each other like half finished versions, uh, yeah. just showing each other progress, that. I was sold on it when I heard just piano and drums on the thing. And then when, when I heard it with the thing that really like took it to another place for me was all of the guitar work you added to it. Like it's, uh, yeah. do you do that like fuzzed out, uh, I don't even, I mean, I guess maybe it's like slightly like she's so heavy era Beatles esque tonally. Um, yeah. 
but you you like brought that kind of uh, that kind of sonic flavoring to it that I just wasn't expecting, I guess, uh, and it it took it somewhere else for me, man. And I mean, you know, obviously the vocals were like crucial to to rounding everything out, but I I was super impressed even before you sent me it with vocals, you know, um, which well, is interesting because it's not a song that. Uh, I doubt that it was written with ever thinking that somebody would really hear much of it without vocals, you know, which it's obviously yeah. you didn't put it out without vocals, but it it worked way more than it than I than it probably should have as an instrumental track, you know, cuz the Sure. Well, I don't know, man. I mean, I guess it, it's so ornately arranged as a song that it kind of makes sense that it that it works with or without vocals, you know, cuz Yeah, cuz it's real interesting going the, on. the changes and all in that I mean, the verse kind of has like more than one section to it there's like the mm-hmm. first section that repeats twice and then it goes to this part the the verse is even pretty um sculptured yeah um, totally has and separate things I and i the I, first half builds on that piano line right and then yeah uh, the da, 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 yeah and then it settles in after that and like the groove kind of stops doing that like staccato sort of thing and and sure. like actually kind of settles a little bit and yeah, it's weird that's when it gets weird with music right like i'm like what do you call that like i mean it's they're both the verse right <laughs> but yeah well you know it's just a complicated verse yeah, <laughs> that's what it is oh <laughs> um, yeah, man i'm excited for 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 eric to hear your your cover of it and man i was yeah. stoked on eric's cover as well um yeah i love um I have I was lucky enough to already have heard the track. You had played it for me, and um, yeah, I love his uh, his track. It's really cool. And listening to the um, uh, the original version of that, um, yeah, they're way different, right? It, it's yeah, it's it's way different. It's really cool what he did to like simplify that song and break it down, um, because sometimes that can be just as hard. Yeah, you know, you like don't know what parts you're willing to like. Yeah, to be able to like simplify it and yeah. break it into these sections and and simplify the chords and you know it. it I, and I love I love what he did with it, like just his um just the the his vocals. That's what I was gonna say. That's one of the things that stood out, man. He, he's de- it's. I guess he's put in a lot of time to try to to get comfortable on vocals, but it definitely like paid off because. Oh yeah, the vocals, he's got a sweet voice. Yeah, and, and, I mean, he just has range. He knows how to like, to, like, work his voice into a song in a way that's not yeah. predictable and it's it's compelling and keeps your interest. His, you know? his guitar. Assuming I, I'm assuming that it was him doing the yeah, guitar yeah, solos on there. Everything on there. The <laughs> those guitar solos are so awesome too. Yeah, really dude, creative. Like, There's all two of a solos we're on it. Ripping, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. And it has like this, especially the way it all crashes out at the end with the two guitar lines kind of like making this like beautiful cacophony. And then yeah. but it like crashes out, but the fuzz sounds like it like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, yeah. it's like reaching a breaking point where the fuzz starts to like really sound gnarly, but in a great way. Um, yeah some cool textures for sure man yeah it's i'm i'm excited to have it on there and and as far as like how it helps i think it's a 
It's a good one. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm excited for multiple reasons, but I really loved how it played into the overall flow of the record. Um, cause sure. Like I was saying, like that, that uh, you know, the the King Vulture cover of Fanny is a little bit of an ass kicker, so having that one, like, you almost think it's not going to be an ass kicker because it starts out with just, like, yeah. acoustic drums and bass, but then by the end you're like, oh, we're kicking ass on this one too. Nice. Yeah. But only yeah, on the back half, you know so you it's like a tease. Before you know it, you got that sax chiming in. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's cool. Um, well, dude, um, thanks for making a contribution for the record and for, for chatting Absolutely. with us about it, man. Thanks again for the opportunity. I can't say it enough. It's really been a fun thing. I really love what you guys are doing. Well, dude, if it I wasn't fully for support you, you. We'd, be, we'd be down two tracks because I don't know that Blanca could have gotten something together without you, or at least not nearly as easily. Um so, I'm glad I could be of help. Yeah, man. Um, well, uh, I guess we're probably going to probably give uh, Peter from Elf Power a call here and, and chat right with on. him a little bit. But, uh, yeah, man, I guess the record's coming out Friday. I don't know when. We're, cool. we're going to probably have to edit because we're we're going to basically make a podcast episode that's like playing the whole, ep- the whole record and splicing in these conversations. Um, yeah. It, It'll probably come out like a little while, you know, sometime shortly after the record, which yeah, I think would be cool. It'd be like a nice like ref- a reminder that the record exists, kind of, and and uh, absolutely elaborate on it a little more. But, um, but yeah, man, uh, I've been trying to think of like other people to bring you in to talk to because I know that both Eddie and I really love the the episode with you and Eric, and uh, right on, kind of want to. Might be a little, might be a little better at it the second time, a little more ease. Dude, it's weird how much more natural it feels every time. Like when we first started doing this, I was like, "Nah, I shouldn't talk to anybody." No way. And then now I'm like, "I got this," you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was so nervous. Just, you know, it was just really cool getting talked to Eric Slick, but then also just the nerves of just I've never interviewed anyone and. Well, it's like it's talking is one thing, but talking with a microphone is it can make you feel some type of way, and then you just gotta realize like, uh, I don't know. I guess you just stop giving a shit about whether or not you sound kind of silly in moments, and just be like, dude, you, if you're willing yeah. to have a conversation in public ever, you kind of have to accept that you might occasionally say something that doesn't make any sense or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and and if that if you can live with that, then you can live with it on a mic too, you know. That's right. Well, cool, man. Well, you're the best. I can't thank you enough. And uh, hey, thank you guys. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Marshall. Have a good, good afternoon. Talk to you, man. Cool, man. I'll talk Absolutely. to you soon. Cheers, cheers, guys. Later, talk man. Bye, bye. Hey, buddy. What's up, Peter? Much. What's up with you? Not much, man. I've got Eddie on the mic this time, too. We've For everybody we've been calling for this kind of like retrospective on the record, we've yeah. sort of tag-teamed since it's, you know, it's definitely like a greater picture Comfort Monk project. Um, right. Yeah, so, Peter, this is Eddie. Hey, good hey, to Eddie. talk to you, Peter. Yeah, same here. Well, yeah, man, we, we just got done talking with Marshall, who did... Uh, that Eric Slick song, and we talked to Brett Ooh. Nash about all the Minutemen songs he 
touched on, and we talked to Ray Barbie about doing that Dose song, and I was like, man, I think one thing Eddie and I both definitely agree on is that our episode with you is like one of our absolute favorites, so we were like, we gotta, let's talk to, let's talk to Peter for this too, because we're really only talking to a handful of the artists, because it would take all damn day if we talked to all 15, but. We um, could, I, I felt bad, I felt like I was being too talkative, but then I thought, well, wanted you know you guys i was thinking in my head i mean i know that's what you guys wanted but i felt like damn i hugged the mic no, and I, dude, it, it, I just realized that i'm fortunate i have a lot of stories and i want to share them and that's why we called you man yeah <laughs> I was you like, know because i'm hoping that you know the conversations i've had with my peers and those that have been around longer than i have they have their little stories of how this happened and how that happened and it made me think okay so there's not one set way of getting, you know, to the next, you know, to the next level or to the next stage or whatever it is that you're doing. Right. It's like, oh, okay, this happened unplanned yeah. or this was intentional. Yeah, Peter, you know, uh, <clears throat> when y'all did your episode earlier, uh, that was before we had a good headphone amp. So I wasn't able right. to listen in, but I'm the person that edits them. Um, so I got to listen to y'all's conversation after the fact, and it was just, you know, cracking me up and making me smile. And uh-huh. uh, I really enjoyed, you know, uh, it, if I can be doing the work of editing and also enjoy the conversation while I'm editing it, that's definitely a good sign. Well, yeah. yeah, that's going to make it more fun for you. Thank, thank you for saying that. Well, um, I, I think part of it is, you know, me and you had a pre-existing friendship, which made it where we could get into that rapport super easily. You know, like that. Absolutely. Where, where you and I started is where I'm trying to get with anybody in the conversation. Right, and some, right. I mean, and sometimes and it have... takes a little while, depending on, sure. you know, some people are just a, yeah. take a little while to settle into that groove or find their, their footing, but... I was like, right. oh, sick. And, we're, and we're there right from the jump. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. And the other thing you have to con- you're contending with is someone that you've never, even someone that you have met, you don't know their mood or what they're dealing with that particular day. That, so it might true. be short answers that you get back. Or in my case, was, I was longing for conversation anyway because of all the, you know the pandemic and. I realized, man, I need human interaction, and what better way than, you know, to take my mind off of things, talking to music with someone that I know, and we have, like, we have a love for a lot of the same music, and... Yeah, it's basically the text thread that you and I have constantly uh, materialized into a podcast, (laughs) you know what I mean? Because you and I are just constantly hitting each other up about whatever we like musically whether it's that uh what was the zz top song the crazy one? Oh my god manic mechanic, mechanic, mechanic. oh my god that <laughs> was mind-blowing i put headphones on that song gave me the chills Dude, it is, it's you know it to is. people who are like zz top like legs fans they probably hated mm-hmm. the song or whatever but it it was like god what a cool departure you know and the story is apparently, I think Billy Gibbons had like gone to Europe and just got turned on to like all the punk scene that was going on there, and he came home and just they were like, "Let's get weird," you know. Um, and that's cool because they you were huge think at the that, time. They were a know? big band right. at the time, right? But so yeah. you'd think they would play it safe, and they didn't. 
Dude, speaking of Billy Gibbons, in in Casey, South Carolina, which is the technical street address I live at, it's like this small old town it, right? It, right outside of Columbia. I mean, it's it's over the bridge from Columbia, 10 minutes from downtown Columbia. But um, That's where he was born? No. Um, oh. we, me and my girlfriend and some friends uh, went to this place. It's called Casey Speedway. It's like a uh-huh. basically defunct racetrack that uh-huh. uh but they were like hey stevie wonders playing here for free to not or for 20 what? bucks i was like no fucking way <laughs> but my my girlfriend's a huge stevie fan obviously i love stevie too like you how could you not i was yeah. like okay this doesn't add up there's no way right but if he right. did freaking play casey and we didn't go for 20 bucks like Whoa, we'd never boy. forgive ourselves so we You'd went never and we were, like, camping out. First off, we get there, and have you ever been to, like, a? do you know what a Relay for Life is? Yeah. It had, like, that kind of vibe to it. <laughs> and that it was, like, not a Stevie Wonder Show level, like, crazy. It was, like, a very, like, communal, like, seemed like a bunch of just regular Casey people were hanging out. Like, there was not even 100 people on the entire in the entire place. Um, mm mm-hmm. Of course, we got there early. We were like, let's just, we just made a day out of it, right? We were like, whatever. We're right. probably not seeing Stevie Wonder tonight, but let's go eat a cheap hot dog and hang out at the Casey Speed. But <laughs> none of us had ever even been there before. It's like right. a weird pocket of town that you could easily not even know exists. But, anyways, we're there all day, and like they are clearly stalling, like the people who are running the uh-huh. event, and then, uh, yeah. Finally, somebody comes up and they're like, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, oh, but there's no shit. Stevie, uh, which I was like, that adds up. <laughs> you know? that, but, but you know who did show up like... and did play? Billy Ew. Gibbons, dude. No. He, just, he just was there and played like with a, um, like a house band that was just like local guys, and they came out yeah. and did like LaGrange and like maybe like, I mean, he probably only did like five songs, but I was like, kind of crazy that i saw billy gibbons at the casey speedway <laughs> it would have been nuts if we had seen stevie but i did manage to get in the local paper i quoted i quoted dane on dane is my girlfriend i don't think you've had the chance to meet her yet but um, I haven't. she was like she said stevie wonder broke my heart tonight and i tweeted that in our local newspaper for some reason quoted my tweet in the paper about Stevie not coming to town. I was like, like, first off, it was just a hilarious that they're quoting a Twitter page to begin with, and they quoted me. I didn't even say it. I was quoting Dane. So it was, but it, anyways, long story short, it was like, I love that our disappointment from Stevie Wonder is like in the local paper now, you know? Yeah. Um, but you went. You got to go, right? Dude, and, and I mean, if it what? had happened, we would have. it would have been the craziest thing ever. Seeing Billy Gibbons there was pretty cool, though. Yes, and this is the thing. If you didn't go at all, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Right. I, I, half the better stories you have, especially like in terms of like music, are like yeah. the, the mishaps, right? Like I rarely am sitting around telling everybody about that time where we played a perfect set to a perfect Oh, crowd. yeah, right. No. You always tell the time about how we were in Virginia playing to the sound guy and something weird, you know, whatever. Uh any mishap you can think of that is just like it's a better story nobody people don't 
people aren't chomping at the bit to hear about your best day. They want to hear about no. that crazy day when almost everything went wrong, but you still had like an amazing time, you know? Yes. I mean, I, I may have mentioned this before to you, the, uh, I, uh, 2010, I, 20 from like 2007, 8 to 2010, I played with this band called Fire Zuav, and it was chaotic. It was it was the best and worst band I've ever been in. I mean, awesome. we would have, I'm not, I am not exaggerating. We would have five to seven hour rehearsals. Whoa. I mean, many times the drummer walked out pissed off. I walked out pissed off. Like, oh, so you weren't you the drummer in the band. What were you playing? I was playing bass. Oh, cool. Yeah. Singing lead with the lead singer slash guitarist. It was like double lead vocal. Whoa. But dude, vocal slash bass is like yeah. left brain, right brain stuff, you know? Yeah, I love it. I I love playing bass I, at least at that time more than anything else. But my point is, like, it was the most dramatic, and I mean, there there was so much drama in this band, but we did a lot, and I don't think about anything else but those shows. Sometimes right. I will go on YouTube and revisit those shows. And I mean, it, it was unhealthy for me. It was not, I had to leave the band and I didn't feel guilty leaving the band. That's how bad it got. But, but man, have you, you've loaded with stories now. <laughs> the best shows, you know, by far. Well, dude, I think that's like the most natural segue I can think of into the band that both of us chose to cover, which is <laughs> more or less defined, well, you know, to a certain extent defined by their mishaps as a band and their uh own like uh, you know being their own worst enemies to a certain degree shooting themselves in sure. the foot and whatnot um i'm sure that they have plenty of stories being the replacements that <laughs> um but yeah dude i'd love to hear a little bit about um you know i guess the main thing that we're touching on with everybody is like kind of how they came to the song that they chose a little bit about what it was like recording it um and i figured being that you and I both opted to go for a replacement song, it'd be real easy for the three of us to chat about it. Yeah. So how I went about, so I did uh, the song Can't Hardly Wait. That song has stuck with me since it came out. I mean, that the opening line is one of the most memorable, heartbreaking, and most telling in so few of words with so telling of what is going on without being direct about it is is verse and one the 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 write you a letter or is it write you a letter tomorrow i mean the first line i have again the chills right now running up and down my spine i'll write you a letter tomorrow tonight i can hardly you know i can hardly hold a pen god dude it is it i mean is when one. i heard that i went fuck Every, almost Mind every exploded. line on that song has that effect, man. Yeah. The Jesus rides beside me, all of it, yeah. man. It's, oh, it's, yeah. it's Paul fine-tuning his craft as a lyricist to... Uh, I mean, that's the shit that makes him, like, from just being a really good songwriter to being, like, held into the to the to the you know degree of appreciation that he has like legend level songwriter you know oh yeah 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 it's one of my favorite all-time opening lines yeah <laughs> you know um it is it's it's stuck with me all this time 
I got to see that tour. I was in Raleigh, North Carolina for the summer. Was that 87 that came out? It had to be. So they, I, that song finally came out on Please to Meet Me. So. Well, that's what I mean. The Please to Meet Me tour. So, yeah, I saw. it would have to be 86, 87, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I bought After it on cassette. Before 89. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I met. 86, 87, yeah. I want to say 80, summer of 87. If not, it was 88, 87, I think it was. And it might have been 80, shit. It might have been 85, 86. Anyways, I was living in Raleigh, North Carolina. I was uh, for the summer teaching, and they were playing at a place called The Pier. Yeah. And uh, cool. It was cool. I got to meet Mitch Easter for the first time. He was there. Nice. But anyway, surprising that he made it to that. Yeah, he made it for that. I was wondering if I talked to you about this in the original podcast or not. Did we talk no, about I don't that? Think so. We didn't really because okay. at that point we didn't even know that this compilation was happening. I mean, right? Okay, it's not true. True. It's not well, hard we to believe remembered. that you and I talked about the replacements, but I don't think we took you, you went over this story. Yeah. So I have I have to tell you this story. I'm giving you the long answer. I am sorry. It's too no, good of dude. a story. We want the so long answer. <laughs> I was living in Charleston, South Carolina, and I moved the week that I moved to Raleigh. That week, a week later, my mother called me and said, Pete, so-and-so called you. This girl that I knew from college, she worked at this ice cream shop downtown Charleston. She said, Peter, this girl called you and wanted me to let you know that uh, Mitch Easter was in town, and they came to her ice cream shop. And she told them what, you know, how big of a fan you were. So they were waiting for you to come downtown to meet them. So this girl called my mother, is Peter there? No, Peter's not here. And said, uh, you know, she was calling to tell me to come downtown Charleston, which is like a 10, 15 minute drive from where I live, to meet Mitch and the band. They were in town visiting for this, you know, vacation. And so... My mother told me this. I had already moved to Raleigh. I was like, damn, how cool it would have been to met this, meet those guys. So the night of the show, fast forward to Raleigh, North Carolina, after being there about a month, the replacements are playing. I pick up the record, and of course, you know, can't hardly wait. All the songs were so good on that record. And it was a little bit more polished than their older stuff, but I wasn't that familiar with them. And so that day, I don't know why, I said, I've got a feeling you know, Winston-Salem's not far from here. Mitch is going to come to the show. I just know it. I'm going to meet Mitch tonight. Mitch is going to come to the show. <laughs> so I go to the show, and the opening act was this band called A Picture Made. I think they were from Kansas or somewhere like that. And uh, somewhere like Middle America. And I bought their record. It was great. They were great live. And so when they came on the stage, they said, yeah, man, we're in town. Um, we've been recording with me, you know, we just finished making our record with Mitch Easter and I went, Mitch is going to be here. Mitch has got to be here. If they recorded with Mitch, Mitch is fucking going to be here. And so they played and thanked Mitch and they got off the stage and in between bands, this dude walks by me with really big hair and it's Mitch Easter. <laughs> and I walk, I rush up on him. I'm like, Hey Mitch, <laughs> I startled him. He turned around like scared to death. I'm like, I'm Peter. I was supposed to meet you in Charleston. He goes, hey, how are you doing? He was really sweet. But anyways, 
that I have such a fond memory of that show. And, and when the replacements came up, I didn't know anything about their sarcasm or their bad boy attitude or who they were. And I remember Paul saying, yeah, you know, like sarcastically, yeah, where are we? Yeah, it's really great to be here. And I thought, what an asshole. And uh, <laughs> I had no idea. And then they blew my mind. And then I realized, oh, that's just who they are. Don't take it personal. That's part of the charm. They don't give a fuck. And that stuck with me. That show stuck with me. That record stuck with me. And of course, I, you know, went down that rabbit hole. And uh, I'm a huge fan. Now. But anyways, I had to do the song. And then as far as how I went about it, I waited to the last. Well, I didn't wait to the last minute. I realized, oh, shit, I only have two days for this deadline. So... I just kind of went into it. I don't want to say I was uninspired, but I had a lot going on. And it was more of like, fuck, I got to get this done. I want to be a part of this attitude. And so I listened to the Tim version of it and actually played along to it. So not to throw anyone uh, under the bus, but in the bridge, that instrumental part, my drumming speeds up, which drives me crazy. And I was like, what the fuck? And I realized that's what I believe happens in the mix, in the recording. Because I played right along with it. Because I just didn't know how to go about it. I just didn't know what version I wanted to do. I wasn't feeling it as far as just playing, playing it or playing to a click track. I was like, fuck it, I'm going to play along to them. And I did. And then... Uh, I added a guitar track, like a rhythm guitar track, and wasn't really sure how I was going to sing that because it's kind of not in my range, and it is. I just don't sing that way, the way I sang. And so, built up of the being bottled up with the pandemic, I just cranked up the guitars in my headphones and just kind of belted it and realized, oh, I can do this. And uh, there's a lot of imperfections in it, and I was going to attempt to fix certain things, and I was like, fuck that. That's not what they're about. They would embrace this version over a version if I made it perfect. Oh, 100%. Uh, I kind of had but, to adopt the same mindset for a few little quirks about ours, too, that I was like, oh, I guess that's not spot on, but it doesn't. it shouldn't be spot on. Anything, right, it's more yeah. replacements if it has its uh, warts and all, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Now, speaking about the acoustic version, I was going to do... So my friend Sasha that mixed this and uh, played bass on it, which kind of... He saved the day, to be honest with you. Uh, he texted me back. Keep in mind, this is a 21-year-old, maybe? 21, 22-year-old? Uh, very intelligent, really... He's a badass, and he's a former camp amper that I taught at Nietzsche Space, and uh, summer music camp, that is. And uh, he said, man, how about, what if you did it in the vein of the jams, that's entertainment? And I'm mind blown again. I'm like, fuck, why didn't I think of it? So I listened, revisited that song, loved it, and my acoustic was fretting out. 
it needs so much work and it just didn't sound good acoustically. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to do it what's most comfortable and what will be quickest for me to do. And, and I laid drums down. And uh, so the, ble- the, the, the curse in doing most of it yourself is you pay attention to every part. Now, if I had another drummer, I would have been fine with the drummer's performance. Uh, and I say that because I'm listening to the, the tempo speeding up going, ah, I'm so much better than that. What, what? You know, and uh, like, man, they're going to, you know, this has this doesn't show my my proficiency or my hard work. And it was like, fuck it. It's got attitude. And that I, I realize attitude and putting your heart into something outweighs proficiency any day, any fucking day. You know, and I learned that recently, to be honest with you. I learned that last summer. And uh but anyways, it was it happened fast. I accidentally, in a nutshell, I accidentally erased some tracks. So I had to go with a mix, a stereo mix I already had. Or, you know, it's kind of a blessing because I might have fixed the pops in the microphone. Uh, there are a couple of times where I'm digging into the mic. But I thought I was pissed off at that time at a friend. Not pissed off but frustrated with a friend, an old friend. And uh, I told her too. And uh, she listened to the, to it and said, man, if that's what it takes to push your buttons, I'm going to push your buttons more. And I said, no, please don't. But there was a, <laughs> there was a lot bottled up and I think all the warts in it. I mean, that's me digging into the mic. That was me. That was, that was, uh, I think, this recording is a great self-reflection of what I was going through in that time. Bottled up, frustrated. It wasn't perfect. The warts went undetected on our end. You know, it feels like yeah. It, it feels appropriately, you know, like you said, like the attitude is there that translates, but that it it never feels like there's a, a like a musical misstep. You know what I mean? It's yeah, it feels right, very right. deliberate and very. Uh, you know, convincing. Ah, good, good. I mean, it was real. It was me screaming and just channeling my emotions. Not to sound cheesy, but I was. It, it was now's the time to let it out. You know, as as musicians, as artists, we're really lucky during this shit that we're going through that we have an outlet. A lot of people don't have outlets. Um, a lot of people's outlets is anger and violence, and. Uh, that's a whole nother, you know. I'd rather scream at a story. microphone than a person, right? You know? Yes, and you know, I, you know, I talked to my friend about it, and I said, you know, I'm gonna let it out on my microphone and uh, let it out on my guitar playing, and I have to share. My next door neighbor is a musician, and uh, I saw him. I was taking the trash out after I had finished the recording, and for some reason. You know, you know, we were talking. I said, "Yeah, I'm doing this recording for uh, this podcast and uh, doing this replacement song." And he said, "Are you doing? Can't hardly wait." And I went, "Yeah, why?" He said, "Man, I kept hearing that riff over and over." And I thought, "Is that a record, or is he playing guitar in his house?" Or and so I imagine, you know, da 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 da. 
did about six takes, you know, just because I didn't want to edit anything. I wanted it to be the best take from beginning to finish. And sometimes I, you know, tripped over the cable and, you know, or whatever it was. So it was like I got that one take. But I imagine I was hoping that somebody walking by would have shot video of my house just with that audio and post it. I think that would have been the greatest post on Twitter or Instagram on social media of this house and just hearing that lick and nothing else because it's so, you know, iconic. You know it when you hear it. Uh, Well, dude, um, I'm I'm glad to hear all the, all these thoughts about, about this recording, but uh, being that you're fairly connected on multiple levels to, to Andre and his recording, um, you know, because you and Andre have a pretty rich friendship, and then uh, obviously the cover he did was, this, uh, you know, he was kind of recreating the Elf Power version of a Robin Hitchcock song. But being that I got both you and Eddie here, and I know Eddie's a big Robin Hitchcock fan, um, I kind of wanted to hear the two of y'all, not to like <laughs> to force y'all's hand here, but I would love to hear the two of y'all kind of riff about that um and your thoughts on andre's version and on robin hitchcock as a whole i unfortunately i haven't heard it oh you haven't i have not i I don't i don't know is there access to it i have not heard andre's version you told me about it i'll send it to you man he did that surgery song um i can't wait to hear it yeah man well uh you know i guess we'll 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 get that recording over to you so you can check it out but uh yeah but do you, do you have any questions about Robin? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just kind of curious about, uh, you know, I don't know, just your thoughts on on sort of that Robin and Elf Power, you know, I guess Elf Power. I know you weren't playing with Elf Power when they did that, but just sort of your thoughts on, on the blending of those two artists and, you know, just riffing on it in general, I guess. Well, it's... As, as far as them in general or playing with them? Either or, man. Um, Either or, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I have been a Robin Hitchcock fan forever, and what I love about him is his, uh, his dialogue seems to be a stream of consciousness and it's not filtered, and what he has to say, he has to say. He, I, I feel like he's the modern-day Sid Barrett. Um, that's a, that's it, accurate. Yeah, and and it's one of the most, uh, you know, really, like, mind explode moments or, or epiphanies, I should say, playing with them, just because I remember uh, watching on MTV uh, Raymond Chandler. It's a Raymond Chandler evening, and this live video, he's in the middle of the song. He just goes off, and... Uh, he really paints this abstract picture with words. It's like the most beautiful, colorful piece of art that he creates with words and with sounds. And uh, to be able to play with them at first was, I was a little nervous about it. I over-rehearsed if it's such a thing. I don't think it's such a thing, but I rehearsed my ass off. And uh, one of the most... Uh, nice you know, fun things to do and one of the most challenging things to do and stressful things to do. And it has nothing to do with him or his kindness. Um, a very kind person, 
But he does, you know, I think there's a reason why he plays solo more than without a band, because when he plays solo, again, I think he's following that stream of consciousness. And, uh, you know, he'll never play the same song twice. So if you're a band following him, uh, playing, when we play with him, the only rehearsal we have with him is the sound check. And I have pen and pad on the floor time taking notes. Because he usually, uh, at least my experience playing with him, we we never really played any one song the way it is on the record. And uh, Mad Shelley's, what is it, Mad Shelley's box, I think it is, off the latest record. Maybe a couple of the newer songs that we did were pretty spot on, but... I'm I'm talking about the sound check and then the live performance were two different versions. So what I did, and I told him this, the last time we played with him, we played with him in uh, this uh, festival called the Egerson uh, Vis Festival, music festival in Norway. And man, I was, I mean, when it was over, I was glad it was over. I mean, it was the hardest fucking thing I've ever had to do or or, you know, perform in my life because I give a fuck. And um, he's wonderful to work with. It has nothing to do with him. But what it has to do with is he's playing what he's feeling that second. And it might not be what you did at the sound check exactly. And the tempo might be different. The dynamics may be different. And the one thing that I did was I... I followed his foot tap in his ass. And I told him after the show that. And he said, well, good thing you didn't pay attention to my rhythm because my rhythm, you know, he said, my rhythm's not great. I said, I watched your body. I just watched you watch your hips shape. Pretty much watched his ass the whole time and played to his movement. And I felt we nailed it. And his, uh, you know, he thanked me two or three times, which was the most flattering thing. And uh, and I felt like that validated it. Like, okay, then, yeah. He wouldn't say it if he didn't, you know, if he didn't mean it. Yeah, so, I, yeah. I can definitely see that. Um, that. That syncs up with everything I know from him and uh, the couple times I've seen him live. Uh, I remember one time... In the middle of a song, he transitioned. It was a similar chord progression to a George Harrison yeah. song, and he just started playing this George Harrison song, um, which is kind of funny because I, I just saw you on Instagram Live did a pretty awesome <laughs> uh, George Harrison cover. But yeah, I he was so Sean Nelson was singing with him, but he didn't have a backing band or anything. Yeah, but he he's playing with Sean Nelson. And Sean Nelson's singing uh, harmonies with him. And then he starts singing this George Harrison song in the middle of his song. And Sean yep. Nelson just kind of looks at him for a bar or two and then starts singing George Harrison. Yeah. Uh, and and that's was, what we love about him, right? It was magical. Right? But I could imagine yeah. the stress of uh, trying to follow along with that on stage. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you want it to be right. And, I mean... I mean, I got to have his back. I'm the drummer. He's not going to say anything. You know, no one's going to say anything to the guitarist or the bassist, really. Drummer fucks up. You know, if a drummer stops playing, the song stops. Everyone's going to turn around. 
if I speed up, the song speeds up. If I slow down, the song slows down. So there, you know, the drummer has so much responsibility. The drummer is the band leader during a show. I, I, any drummer, you have to know the tempo of the song. Before. You need to know who needs to be ready and who doesn't need to be ready. So you're in charge of time management on stage as well as timekeeping. Who needs to be ready? So if I know that you don't need to be ready, then... You know, I can count the song in with Dylan and Cam and we can play the song. And then I know that, you know, you're coming in in the second verse. But there's so many things the drummer needs to know. The beat, the tempo of the song, what the count, how the count should be, who needs to be ready. And uh, at least I I take those things in consideration. So I put a lot on my, you know, there's a lot on my plate. Oh, yeah, for sure. If if there's not an orchestra conductor... The drummer right. is the conductor. Exactly. And that's what I think, that's what I mean by exactly when I say band leader, while, you know, while you're on stage. Totally, totally. But yeah, um, it, it, I love playing with him. I, he's, man, he's just, he has so much knowledge and knows so many songs. He could play probably play Bob Dylan's complete set, the Beatles, anything. He knows it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, when I saw him, uh, <clears throat> last time I saw him was in Nashville, where I, I think he lives now. Um, yeah. But uh, I'd had a, a few glasses of wine and a couple beers, <laughs> and I I don't know what came over me, but he was asking for um, requests, and I just, almost like as a joke, uh, requested just some real weird obscure song from uh one of the green albums i can't i can't remember what it was ah Uh, right um, and he just launched into it um and i was like i almost didn't expect him to know that that was a robin hitchcock song let alone be able to play it um yeah yeah he's he's got he's got a crazy brain for that kind of stuff absolutely eddie when you saw him was was it with grantley phillips Oh yeah, so that that last time oh, I saw cool. him, um, another guest on our show, Grantley Phillips, who's another Nashville guy. Um, yeah. Uh, he Grantley Grantley Phillips uh, organized an event and had a whole bunch of people um, playing, and the format kind of follows along with what what Grant does live a lot, where it's like, yeah. this is my friend. He'll play a couple songs. I'll come on stage. We'll play one of his songs. He'll play one of my songs, you know, together. Nice. Um, but he had like five people playing that night. So there was a whole lot of cool overlap, um, you know, between, you know, Don, Don Landis played that show too. And Andrew, oh, Combs. Nice. Uh, Andrew Combs just released an EP this uh, week. That was amazing. Um, nice. I'll have to but, check that out. So if you can imagine, you know, what's five factorial, five times four times three times two, uh, (laughs) that many combinations of bands and artists playing in one show is pretty awesome. That is cool. Yeah, Yeah, I remember, like, Grant Grant Lee Phillips from, right, Grant Lee Buffalo, and Mm -hmm. reading some cool articles about him, and he had some hits. I don't, I, they escape me right now, but I was a fan. Yeah, he, I mean, he's personally one of my, all-time favorites cool um, cool 
I think he's uh, one of the best songwriters of this generation. Yeah. Um, that so, is This so is cool. a huge tangent, but... <laughs> no, no. It was it's cool. the nature it's of the so show, cool. man. Yeah. Tangent-friendly. Um, yeah. Well, man, uh, I'm looking forward to you hearing Andre's cover. I'll send it to you away right, or I know, send it to you right after this. But uh, I was, you know, I don't know, something about Andre doing a song that, you know, you didn't play on, but it's associated with an act that you're, or with two acts that you've, uh, you know, had a history of playing with. Yeah. Just seems so natural to me because, like we mentioned in the episode that we did before, you know, I I met you through Andre, um, and... I just know wow, that Andre yeah. is super fond of you, and just hearing him t- his uh, take, I love. I, I can't wait for you to hear it, man. His version of the either. song is so good. It's it's a standout track for sure, man. I can't wait to hear it, and that is a track that we played with uh, Robin as oh, well. Nice. That's cool, yeah. man. Yeah, that's it's such a great song. It was the, new to me. I hadn't yeah. heard it before I heard the cover, and then I went back yeah. and heard the other two versions. I was like, "This is a great song." It, I believe Robin's version doesn't have drums, right? It's acoustic. Oh, I think. Oh, I think you might be right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. So you know, I got add drums. That was easy for me because I just played something really kind of quiet and straightforward, and there was really no. You're not playing it like. You know, well, I know because it's not on there, or right. you know, whatever. Um, One of the more satisfying, you know, to do that was sure. less challenging. And you got to just a lot be creative, right? Come up yeah, with something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's so open to that, but you know, he's sharp as a whip, man. You got to be on your toes, and you don't want to let the man down. You know, that's the thing. You don't want to let a hero down <laughs> you can help it yeah absolutely i mean well speaking know, of not I, letting people down man i i was 100 percent not let down by the contribution that you made for this man it, it man it made my day when it when it came over into the email inbox and uh i think you're in good company man i think you're gonna like it we're putting it out next friday uh we've got a little bit of press cooking up and obviously great. we're gonna put this episode out to you know, probably a little while after the album comes out is sort of like a yeah. little bit of a retrospective and just a, right. another way to breathe life into it. But, man, I, I just can't thank you enough for, I mean, I know we didn't give anybody really that much notice, you know. I mean, you gave, gave me enough notice. Under two weeks, though, which is pretty yeah, impressive I mean, that 15 artists came through for us, you know. Well, um, it took me less than a day. Right, yeah, <laughs> it mine, took about a day, you know what I mean? I, 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 I literally I, I, waited the day before. I was like... Fuck, I gotta do this, you know? <laughs> so, thank you, man. Like, because it gave me, first of all, it kept me focused on music and creating. And, uh, you know, like we talked about, we, we text after our last, uh, you know, the last podcast. It's like, yeah, I didn't really, you asked me about my band, Fab Bird, and I didn't say shit. And I said, that's, that kind of that kind of sums it all up. It's like, okay, I need to do my thing more, you know? Right. And uh, so this allowed me to do my thing and uh, love the challenge, man. It's like, okay, I got to learn this song. Okay. Um, so thank you. It was a lot of fun to do it. I'm really excited to be a part of it. What you have sent me is mind-blowing. Um well, thanks, man. Well, I'll let you go, man, but we'll talk soon. All right, guys. Bye, Eddie. Yeah, See y'all. Great talk to you. See you, man. You too, man.
Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, thank you so much to Ray, Peter, Marshall, Brett for coming back on the show. Um, it was great getting to talk to them all again. And I was glad to talk to him. I had never talked to any of the three of them. Again. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that was kind of one of the the main incentives Earth. to doing this episode. I hadn't talked to three of the four of them. Yeah, Sorry. right, yeah. right. But it, it was cool them, to, to to have them because I feel like you know Ray and Peter and and Brett had all heard me speak about, you know, oh, my, my partner and the show, Eddie, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's cool for them to meet the other half of this project uh, because really, I mean, it's a, a real 50-50 deal we got going over here as far as how these episodes and compilations and everything comes together. So it's, uh, you know, it's nice to get to just make more and more connections as this process goes. But Anyways, you know, we, we chose to name this compilation Gratitude Volume 1 because, I mean, short and skinny of it is we're just extremely thankful for, for everyone who's been on the show and everyone who contributed to the compilation, and we just couldn't think of a, a single word that better uh, just sort of summed up how we felt about the compilation and where we are as a, you know, as a whatever the hell Comfort Monk is, a production company, podcast, record label, project. But whatever the hell we are, we're really excited to be here, and we're really excited and thankful for everyone who's been involved. So, yeah, if, if, you, if you feel compelled to, please check out the compilation. We're actually already working on Volume 2 right now, and it's coming together nicely. Uh, it'll probably be more of a fall release if we had to guess, but we'll definitely keep you all posted. And yeah, just thanks so much for, for supporting us, guys. Thank you. Alrighty, guys, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Peace out. This has been, this has been a Comfort Monk, Comfort Monk production. production.